Welcome to another great episode of Tangents Abound. Well, at least I think they're great anyway. <laughs> My name is Aaron Henley, and thank you all for joining me today. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome, welcome, and welcome. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I'm glad to, glad to see you again. So, in another episode for our continuing Batman series, I'm going to be talking about the best... Batman movie of all time. And I know what you're thinking. And for the vast majority of you, I'm sorry to say, you're wrong. It's not The Dark Knight. It's not Batman Begins. It's not even Batman 89. And I'm sure someone out there thinks Batman and Robin is the best Batman ever, and uh, you're certainly entitled to your opinion. I just feel sorry for you. But we are going to be talking about the best Batman movie that nobody knows about. And it's a damn shame. But to cover something of this monumental importance, I decided to bring in a few uh, buddies of mine. Let me just head back into the palatial studios, a.k.a. uh, the little dungeon I rented from Doctor Doom, and untie them! Uh, I mean, uh, let them know it's give them their cue. So, ready, Harley? Cue the music. It's Tangents Abound with our very special guests, Scott McGregor and Chris Tyler. Oh, oh man, so so glad to be out of that trip. <laughs> All right. Meow. It's your old pal Harley. You know, I'm kind of upset that I haven't been in the last few episodes. But oh boy. I'm glad I'm in this one, because Aaron forgot to do a few things. You know you have new listeners, right, who probably don't know the rules of the show. (laughs) Well, since we have some special guests, there won't be any feedback or emails for this episode. We tend to let our guests have all the time they can. Also... We appreciate any and all feedback, and you can send it to tangentsabound at gmail.com. Ma'am! He also forgot to put some promos in for other great podcasts. So at the end of the episode, there'll be some really awesome podcast promos, as well as a few bloopers, because boy did he screw up a few times. <laughs> and I'm in control of the editing process. <laughs> That's all teach you for taking me to the vets the other day. <laughs> we'll see you later, friends. 
Well, you know, you know, Doctor Doom does make sure that all his interrogation, I mean, uh, examination, uh, I mean, uh, chair, extra. <laughs> are quite well padded. Uh, I was getting nervous. There's a little extraordinary rendition going on. It's, it's good that they're comfy because as Binge Storm on another show on another network, we're you know two fat guys stuffed into an even fatter body, so yeah, it gets uncomfy. Um, yes, it does. Why don't you guys? Uh... So, <laughs> act I, like Porky Pig. I can do that. <laughs> I, uh, I brought the two guys on from Weekly Heroics, and well, Scott does uh, Fear the Walking Dead podcast, another Walking Dead podcast that I can't remember the name of. No, Chris, it's just it's all Fear the Walking Dead cast. Oh, it's all okay. Yeah, we cover Fear the Walking Dead and the regular show too. Ah. And Chris just hangs around and back to the bins as a backup if ever needed. I have plenty of other shows, too. Yeah, no, no, no. Cast Protection is awesome. Uh, Cast Protection, the Stranger Things podcast, the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, which is a horror movie podcast. I'm on Back to the Bins a lot, and I'm on Weekly Heroics with Scott. Those are all on the Two True Freaks podcast network. So, the Batman movie I invited my guests to talk about is... Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Woo! Yeah, which... Yeah. I'm a bad nerd, and I actually didn't watch until this year, just, well, actually last year, but recently, and I don't know how that happened, but it happened. The important thing is, well, that that goes into a theory as to why this is the Batman movie that deserves the most love, but for some reason doesn't get it. Because... It's it's a sin. It, 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 this is a movie, friends, that I'm gonna not gonna uh, hide hide how much I love. If if I was reviewing this on Is It Jaws, hosted by Paul Spataro, I would definitely say it's a Jaws. <laughs> yeah, at least in the Batman genre, I would give it yes, that definitely, absolutely. And unfortunately, it just it's hard to find nowadays because who. WB Warner Brothers has only released it on DVD, and that's out of print now. But oh, really? Um, well, at I least I was not, able to find I, it in like in a back uh, on on Amazon for pretty cheap. But I haven't seen them in stores for a long time. No, none of the, uh, not a lot of the, the older Warner Brothers animation stuff is out there right now, and unfortunately. Yet get, and yet we get the crap like Justice League versus Teen Titans. Yeah, well, what happened? It's unusual. I, I gotta think it's out on there on some streaming services somewhere. I'm actually checking what I have right now. But. Well, since I've got you guys on, first off, I just kind of as kind of an intro to the listeners. <laughs> what what are you, what are your particular geekdoms? I mean, what 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 do you enjoy the most? What got you into geekdom? You know, anything and everything. Just kind of a little. Hey, how's it going? Okay. Well, uh, I guess I'll start. Um, in terms of my particular fandoms, there's uh, there's quite a few. I mean, I grew up reading Spider-Man and Archie comics and watching um, all the Saturday morning cartoons that were on, Masters of the Universe, uh, Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends, Transformers. So I'm of that vintage. Uh, as I've gotten older, it's definitely expanded into other things. Uh, Star Wars has always been a big part of my uh, nerd life. Uh, Star Trek. Um more recently, stuff like uh, Doctor Who and, uh, you know, this 
there's just so much out there now and it, there's such easy access to so much of it that you can always find something new but um i mean i'm pretty much an 80s kid at heart so uh that should really tell you everything you need to know <laughs> nothing wrong with that how about you scott oh similar really i mean as far as comic reading and particularly batman my first experience with batman was uh I think I borrowed a, a huge book from our local library when I was quite young, which was like Batman from the 30s to the 70s. You know, a nice compilation of a bunch oh, yeah. of different stories from each era. Seen it. <laughs> you know, including all the uh, you know origin stories and stuff like that. Um, so that was my main, really, Batman experience for my whole comic reading career. Other than that, I'd sporadically get some from Marvel, some from DC, whatever it looked pretty on the rack that week uh you know it was later when i uh, became an adult that i started to you know our young adult um and older teens started collecting x-men purposefully and and kept, you know kept collecting that and the peripheral books for for quite a while and had a nice mm-hmm. little run of those um and i you know revisited batman as many of us and many people did back in, you know, 1986 or 7, I think it was, with Dark Knight Returns. And that was, like, you know, my Batman at the time. And that was, I loved the the darker, kind of more adult take on it, um, which I think this movie definitely borrows a little bit from that. Clearly. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and other than that, you know, the, the usual stuff, Star Wars, uh, you know, Star Trek, you know the the old standards, and uh, I said I don't know if I was really some reason I I missed. I really didn't jump on the Batman animated series bandwagon. I don't I don't know why. I've watched a few episodes here and there, but oh. I've never watched the full run. Oh, I, yeah, I know that hurts. And that hurts, man. I, I hear you. I I just it was one of those things. I was off on something else at that point in time, and just haven't gotten around to it. And same with Mask of the Phantasm. I mean, it's. Not like I didn't believe all my friends saying it was an awesome Batman movie. <laughs> um, I just didn't get around to it. I don't know why. And I guess I never... I guess after maybe... I think it was after, you know, Burton's Batman 89, I, I guess I'd, I kind of made a conscious decision not to go back to, like, animated stories as much. Like, I want to see what the live-action Batmans were going to be after that point. <laughs> so I just never got on... Yeah, and... <laughs> I probably should have stuck with the animated stuff after a couple Burton movies. Um. <laughs> Let, let's just say the animated series made us love Mr. Freeze. Yeah, I yeah. mean, definitely we wouldn't have had the animated series without the 89 Batman. Um, yeah. But it's it's leaps and bounds. More I mean, I've watched quite a bit of it, it now. I mean, just never jumped on it and, and did the whole whole run when it came out but i've caught up quite a few episodes i was i was taping them as a kid like that's yeah. how into it i was like ready to go with the the premiere <laughs> like oh this is gonna be awesome <laughs> well when did that come out that was what 90 92 92 so yeah, yeah i was just was not long after batman returns i was just coming off a short run in 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 college and my activities at that point straight right, very far right. from the nerd and for a while, <laughs> uh, let's see here. More into the self-destructive. <laughs> well, uh, as my listeners will know, but you guys won't because you haven't heard it yet. 
Um, my introduction to Batman was the animated series. Nice. Um, in fact, it act, I was about six, maybe seven. Um, and the first episode I remember watching was the uh, first part of the Clayface uh, two-parter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. I did and see those. when he gets attacked by the thugs and they dump all that goop on him and turn him into Clayface... And I saw that I freaked out and I couldn't watch Batman for a while. <laughs> <laughs> because up until then, the only Batman I knew was Batman 66. Yeah. And I, I've talked, I talked a bit about it. But, uh, to me, that was Batman. I may not have known who all the cameos were, but to me, I was like, oh, okay, Batman and Robin, they're, they're having fun, but they're heroes and they have trouble getting rid of bombs. Yeah. <laughs> Some days you just can't get rid of one. And also, have you guys seen Lego Batman yet? I have no, not. No, no, no. I have not. Okay. May I spoil two things? Uh, it's not going to bother me. Go for it. Bruce Wayne is Batman. <laughs> no! Okay. We get the return of Bat Shark Repellent. Yes! Awesome. Nice. And it's used on Jaws. Are you Excellent. serious? I am dead serious. That's beautiful. All right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That might be what I do after this show, actually. No. <laughs> the second thing... Excellent. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 that's it. Excellent. The, the second odd. thing is, we get something we've wanted since Batman 1989. The Two-Face is Billy D. Williams. Ah, <laughs> oh, awesome. All right, that's it. No more spoilers, man. Yeah, all right, right, all right. Those are two things I would have liked to have seen for myself. I, I warned you. I'm sorry, man. That's, I what am I going to do? Leave the call? We're, we're at a show here. You just say no, Aaron. Don't talk about it. It's Batman. How much can you spoil? Yeah, right. But, well, that was a big one. That's all right with me. <laughs> yeah, I'll still watch it. I haven't killed it for me. Well, to, to be fair, it's only like three lines. Doesn't matter. Billy D. Yep. <laughs> and he does say Colt 45. He does? Or does he? All right. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> go, go watch the movie and find out. And all of you who haven't seen Lego Batman, what are you doing listening to the show? Hit pause. Go see it. I'll wait. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> yeah, Never let him leave, man. Never let him leave once you got him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the animated series was pretty much my interpretation of Batman. So, in, so when I heard the trailer for Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, I saw it in the movie theater. I have no I, I think it was for maybe the DuckTales movie. Oh, that was that earlier? I have no idea, man. Yeah, DuckTales brain... the, <laughs> the movie was earlier than 94. Than uh, well, actually, it came out Christmas 93. 93, ah, it was close. So technically I, correct. <laughs> I think I think DuckTales may have been 91, 92. Yeah. But all I remember seeing was, oh, it's the animated series on the movie theater. And my parents took me to see it and I don't remember actually, you know, thinking anything about the movie, but I know I saw it at the movie theater. That that much I do know. Nice. I was one my I was one of the few people who actually did because Let's let's. I'm going to get into a little bit of the background for the uh, for the movie. Um, it was released, as I said, Christmas 1993. 
uh, with a PG rating, which meant they could do a lot more than they could in the animated series, and we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the budget was originally going to be uh, about 2 to $4 million for a direct-to-home video release, but Warner Brothers, somebody apparently had a brain on their head and said, nah, we'll give you a little bit more money and make it a, a theatrical release for Christmas. So they bumped it up to $6 million. The downside is... I th- at the time, I don't think the animated series was getting the respect it deserved. Because it was still, oh, it's a cartoon. It's for kids. Yeah, I don't know if it had won any Emmys yet. Yeah, so... It, it, if it had come out today, it would have made gangbusters. Because, unfortunately, it didn't even make enough to... It didn't even break even at the box office. It only made about five and a half million. Mm. Now, since then, it's more than made up that on the home video market between the video releases and the uh, DVD releases. In fact, it was so popular and critically reviewed and successful in the home video market that later DC movies such as Batman Sub-Zero and Batman Mystery of the Batwoman came out. Um... And a few other uh, oh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, which yeah. it, 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 I'm just going to throw it out there. If you guys want to talk about that on a later episode, you're more than welcome. Yes, I think I, <laughs> I'm not sure if I've seen that or not, dude. Oh, I didn't man. get into Batman Beyond. I just I had set a really blank Batman spell for some reason. Like, you've got you've got a lot of good Batman in your future. That Batman, oh, yeah. Batman yeah. Beyond is criminally underrated. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you guys want to stick around after we finish up Mask of the Phantasm, there's a few sequels to Mask of the Phantasm I was going to talk about, and if you want, I'd love to get your reactions to it. Yeah, all right. So, now that we kind of know when the movie came out, let's talk about, well, who made the movie? (laughs) Well, the story for the movie was written by Alan Burnett. The screenplay was also by Mr. Burnett. Martin Pascoe, Michael Reeves, and Paul Dini. And anyone who's a Batman fan now does know who Paul Dini is. He's the creator of Miss Harley Quinn. Yeah. The music was done by Miss Shirley Walker, and friends, just take a listen to this theme.
Yeah, that's how the movie opened. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was really an interesting <laughs> choice. I mean, it, I, I liked the very... Very operatic. I mean, it was yeah. It took, uh, it took the Elfman theme and elevated it. Yeah, yeah I, I prefer it actually over the Elfman theme. Yeah, me too. Uh, and yeah. I and and the funny thing is, if you guys didn't know the, the that little Latin stuff they were saying, it was yeah. Like, I know what it is. Hmm? I know what it is. But go for it. Okay. It's all the uh, screen player screenplay writers, the director director's name sung and that but backwards oh no kidding i didn't know that <laughs> yeah it's gibberish yeah but <laughs> sounds great yeah and finally the movie was directed by eric radomsky and bruce tim who also did all the character designs so <laughs> yeah. most people will say the dc animated universe of batman superman justice league Teen Titans, I'm of the personal opinion, it's in continuity. Um, if you want it to be, it is. Huh? Sure. <laughs> it, what, it, was it, DC going to take your birthday away? Yeah, it can be whatever you want. <laughs> it, 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 there's some debate as to whether or not the Teen Titans is part of that. But they call it either the DC Animated Universe, which maybe not, maybe not apply anymore because of all the DVD videos, or the Timverse. So when you hear yeah. the Timverse, or if you go to a store and you see Superman and Batman coloring books, and you're like, that doesn't look like the comics, but it's more like blocky, that's Bruce Tim. Yeah. I, I go with Timverse, because, I mean, he, he owned that stuff, you know, back in the day. There would be no no successful DC animated things without him, basically. Yeah. I mean, he, he really launched it. <laughs> so. All righty. Well, pretty much the animated universe was my gateway to DC in general. Um, especially when we got into Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. That opened yeah. up everything for me. But we are not a Justice League podcast. As much as I wish we could be. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, You want to talk weekly heroics, Scott? Yeah, throw those in. You will never get done. <laughs> I know. We're already never going to get done. <laughs> That's all right. We need something to do. Uh, neither me or Hero have kids we can even pass it to. We've got real problems. <laughs> gonna I'm not going to be having any, so it's all on me. Yeah. <laughs> all right. well, we'll adopt you, show hosts, when, when the time comes. <laughs> well, you guys ready to dig into this thing? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Hours ago. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Go ahead. I said I just watched it again, literally, you know, less than two hours ago. So awesome. Me too. So, uh, to kind of help keep things from getting overloaded, I'm not going to cover the whole movie start to finish. We're, we're going to break it up into different points. Um, I tended to use, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, friends, again, stop listening. Go watch it, please. Otherwise, we're going to spoil the main mystery. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, this, 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 this is an actual good mystery movie. Yeah. So I don't. So I'm just going to put this out right now. Spoilers! Spoilers! Spoilers are about to abound. If you haven't seen it, stop listening now. Because I'm pretty sure we haven't spoiled the actual. Batman's movie. Bruce Wayne. <laughs> no, really. 
I thought he was just Bruce Wayne's also, roommate. Also, Aaron Henley, your angel of death is awaiting you. <laughs> Holy crap! Oh, God! No! <laughs> By the way, we'll talk about Phantasm because I have some questions about that one. That character. Go for it. I might be able to answer them. Well, well, I gotta do my synopsis first, Chris. Then we'll All right, go. well, go for it. I'm going. I'm no going. one gave us the itinerary for this trip, man, so don't blame us. Just tangents, tangenting abounding. Yeah. Yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. That that was my fault. I fully admit. We thought this highway branched. <laughs> it does. Okay, so let's start off. Chucky Saw. Batman! How'd you get here? Your angel of death awaits. You ain't a bat! Part 1. Shady Dealings at the Shady Lady. Our story begins in the penthouse office of Gotham crime boss Chucky Soul, the owner of the Shady Lady Casino. I think. He is planning to launder extremely large amounts of counterfeit currency through his casino over the next year. When he asks if there are any objections, he gets a rather large one as the Cape Crusader himself issues an OBJECTION! by breaking through nice. the window and proceeding to beat all kinds of PG, no Bureau of Standards and Practices here people, epic violence into the gangsters. Chucky, having a spine about as strong as a jellyfish's, grabs the suitcase containing the fake currency and proceeds to run out of the room. Crossing the oddest open-air walkway I've ever seen, and we'll get into <laughs> that later, <laughs> to the adjacent parking garage, Chucky believes he's managed to evade the Dark Knight. Uh... Yeah, go, go right on believing that one, Good luck with Chucky. that. <laughs> he starts to approach his car when a do- dark fog begins to fill the garage, and from it emerges a dark, shadowy figure who really likes to have a jagged edge to their cape. No, it's not Batman, but the guy who the movie is named after. The Phantasm. Which is odd, because they never actually call him Phantasm in the movie itself, <laughs> no. now that I think about it. <laughs> Then again, they never called the shark and Jaws Jaws either, so let's get back to the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> After emptying his gun at Phantasm with no effect, Chucky makes a break for his car and manages to start it before Phantasm reaches him. Attempting a little vehicular homicide, Phantasm jumps onto the hood of Chucky's speeding car and smashes the windshield in. Chucky swerves wildly, throwing the Phantasm clear of the car. Now some distance away from the stunned costume figure... Chucky slams on the accelerator and attempts to make a phantasm-sized dent in his front fender. Man, you're really not going to buff that out, Chucky. Phantasm cloaks himself with the same grayish-green smoke that is his trademark and leaps over the speeding car. The smoke fills the cab and, while choking on it, Chucky forgot he was in a parking garage about 30 stories up and quickly goes over the side. His car plows into one of the casino's lower floors, killing him instantly. By this point, Batman has caught up to the point where Chucky went flying and passerbys on the street, or below him in the casino, I'm not sure, it's not clear, immediately assume that he is responsible for Chucky's accident, because yes, there's only one mysterious figure out there. Batman begins a quick investigation of the area, more on that later, and finds some shards of Chucky's windshield that have a strange residue on them. A noise alerts him to the phantasm, and he begins a quick pursuit, only to lose the new villain in town. How does he manage to evade the Batman? He goes out the exit door and Batman doesn't follow. 
<laughs> Apparently, Batman is afraid to go through an exit or so. He decides to return to the Batcave to continue his investigation. The following day, City Councilman Arthur Reeves, who, well, you know, I, I just, I can't call him by his name, so it's time to play... What's that skeezball's name? So... I asked a bunch of friends suggestions on what to call this insufferable pig, and in no particular order, here are the responses. Yeah. Oh, God. Asshat. Douche. Douchebag. Donald Trump. Hipster doofus. Jerk. Skis. Git. Wanker. Slimeball. Slamo. Smeghead. Which I think may actually be the most adorable fourth name ever, and I want to hug him. <laughs> Butt monkey! And kudos to Chris Huntingwell for this one. Madison Gill delivery system. Why? Because I need to look that up. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go with that as the winner. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, I, I recognized him from Die Hard. I was going to get into that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. That's, yeah, Hart Faulkner is the actor. So. I was trying to think where I saw him, or where I knew that name from. Yep. Ah, yes. Yep. He's, he's, I forgot to, he's voiced by Hart Bachner, a.k.a. the douche from Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. Which you can hear Chris talk about on Visit Jaws with Carl Spataro. Yes. It, it was a great episode, by the way. Thank you. Now, since I have to keep this family-friendly-ish... He is now officially Councilman Butt Monkey, copyright Scott Gardner, all rights reserved. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for playing. <laughs> so, back to the synopsis. Oh, and by the Mass way... Mass Gill Delivery System sounds too much like a 60s band, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Oh, man. So, back to the synopsis. Councilman Butt Monkey is ranting on the Gotham City News about how vigilantes should be banned and how Batman is taking the respect of the city away from the cops and how, you know, every supervillain he's fought would just go away and we can all have cookies and sing Kumbaya. Of course. About the only person there with a head on straight is Commissioner Jim Gordon for his requisite cameo of this movie. Back at the Batcave, we see Bruce out of costume and actually doing detective work. You know, since he is a detective and the yes, it's called yes, the, yes, yes, and it's called the yeah. world's greatest detective, and you know, most Batman movie writers tend to forget that little nugget. Yeah. <laughs> well, the following evening or that evening, I'm not sure. Time is kind of wonky here. Just wait; it gets even better, friends. <laughs> we see Gotham's most eligible bachelor throwing a shindig at Wayne Manor, and he's surrounded by floozies, and I'm pretty sure Vicky Vale makes a cameo appearance. We get a nice little scene with Councilman Butt Monkey about how Bruce seems to constantly pick women that Bruce knows he has absolutely no future with, and he ribs Bruce about how he let the one person he ever loved, Andrea Beaumont, get away. Bruce goes all PG language on him and storms away. <laughs> Leaving the party, Bruce does what Batman does best and begins to brood. Oh, uh, yes. This time, about the past. With, of course, a portrait of his parents gazing down upon him because, yes, we have to have that in this movie. 
Right. It was the one movie, the origin story, worked really well, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It should yeah. tack on the origin story of this movie onto like the beginning of every the other every other Batman movie, and then just erase the ones they did. <laughs> well, and the best part is with this one, they didn't do. We have to watch Batman's parents get murdered again. No, we already the, the movie knows that we can fill but in the blanks. Know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the gravestone tells you kind of anything you need to know about their status. So, uh, <laughs> and he fills in the gaps. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I have notes on this, so I'll, as, as I go through them, just yell at him. All right. So, first off, I love the Art Deco esque Gotham City over the Tim Burton wet dr- Gothic wet dream we get. Uh, I like both. Well, I think there's a good little hybrid of both in, in this and the anim- animated series. I mean, I think the animated series definitely took its cues from Burton's look. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, without going over the top. But and, and, and you're right. I think where I really started getting tired of it was in Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. It just seemed yeah, like... that's that's more of um... and there was a little too much neon going on in, in yeah, Gotham. but that that wasn't Burton <laughs> at that point. That was yeah. uh, Schumacher. Yeah. Oh, and here's something Dark Knight Rises could have learned. Batman is in this movie about 15 seconds after the opening credits. Yeah. <laughs> no other Batman movie would have Batman in it. Well, no, I can't say that. I take that back. Because Batman Forever returns. And Batman and, Batman and Robin. Yeah. <laughs> Happened oh. pretty much immediately. Yeah, never mind. But again, Christopher Nolan, we didn't have to wait an hour and a half to see Batman in a Batman movie. No, that worked for me in Batman Begins. That was, I, I'd put that, if this is the best Batman movie, I'd put that as probably the second best, in my personal opinion. But Batman Begins, yes. Totally agree with you, because they're doing the origin. Mm-hmm. The Dark Knight Rises, not so much. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and also, as I've kind of joked, with the PG theatrical release, they could do a lot more with the fights. Because yeah. we had a lot more blood and bone crunching. And that- It was a brutal Batman. He, I, yeah. I love the scene where he just, the guy's head is under a door and he just stomps on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, Every, is, this I, is definitely the, the, the Denny O'Neill uh you know, version of Batman, really, when you when you look at it. That was almost surprising because, I mean, he, this is very much the I don't kill Batman, obviously. But, uh, but you stomp a guy, you stomp a guy's head under a door. He was reaching for a gun. <laughs> and, he, and he groaned afterwards. Stop he, resisting. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Everyone in this, uh, this movie is a little more hardy than us normal humans. So, uh, well, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. Trust me, I, I have a few notes on that, too. <laughs> All right. Show um, about tangents, man. You're just horribly organized. It's just kind of <laughs> have, have I mentioned I've worked on this one for about three weeks? <laughs> Somebody had to. Never let them know the secrets. Okay, now, here's a question, guys. I'm not an architect, but seriously, who builds a single-lane walkway 30 stories up Open. That's an open air walkway with no fencing whatsoever. <laughs> Gangsters. 
Tim Burton. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> now, um, have either of you read the Batman Year Two story? Uh, a long time ago, but yeah, I, I this too, definitely yeah. definitely pulls a lot from that. Thank you. I was going to mention that because I was. I just and Year One, even yeah. I mean, and Year One, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I just recently read read it for the first time, really, and I'm like. Wait a second! This guy looks a lot like Phantasm. Yeah, yeah. So, not the best story, really. But uh, it was—I I was like, "Well, hey, I kind of recognize that." Yeah. Well, look how many villains over the years have been kind of a subtle iteration of Batman himself, anyway. So you know, you, it, cloak and masks—those are always good go-to's. Yep. <laughs> now here's a question, guys. Is the smoke the phantasm uses kind of like a metahuman power? Because uh, it, it, it's really it's not. It's just... the it's the gimme of the movie. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, you kind of have to roll with it, otherwise, it, the movie is ju- is just going to fall apart. You, you just sort of have to go with it. Uh, in a world where Batman can't exist and have has what he has for gadgets. I, I give the the smoke the phantasm smoke a pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's intended to be like you know one of Batman's smoke tablets that he uses to ninja away. But I mean, it does pretty much seem like she, he, it, she is uh, teleporting. You know, yeah, especially when it. we get to a scene <laughs> later in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's another scene where. The Phantasm can run faster than Flash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but again, in a movie where you can doorstop someone and they survive it, why not? Um, also, <laughs> here's a nice little piece of sound editing. I've watched this so many times, I was really paying attention to it. When Chucky shoots Phantasm, you can hear the bullets ricocheting off the armor. Mm. Okay. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, uh, it was, was really listening nice. on cruddy uh, computer speaker, so yeah. Definitely didn't get the full sound design experience myself, but cool. And again, we get Batman being a detective in a Batman movie. What kind of city are we running when we depend on the support of a potential madman? Such rot, sir. Why, you're the very model of sanity. Oh, by the way, I've pressed your tights and put away your exploding gas balls. Thank you, Alfred. Might one inquire what this is? A piece of windshield. From Chucky Saul's car. There's a chemical residue on it. Some kind of dense, long-chain macromolecular polymer. Adaptogenic, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, he even gets to spout some good, like, techno babble that just kind of makes poor Alfred roll his eyes and be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. It's a far far cry from the Alfred in the the Burton and Schumacher movies going, despite what they say about you, Master Bruce, you're really quite clever. It's like, yes, he's the world's greatest detective. Yeah, he's usually Mm -hmm. the smartest guy in the room there, Alfred. Know your place, dude. Let's also remember, remember, in the Burton universe, no one in Gotham City recognizes a multi-billionaire. Yeah. Uh, He's a recluse. In those. Uh Uh-huh. Well, when you meet a billionaire, your eyes are usually drawn right to that Rolex. So, I mean, that that does kind of make sense. Yeah. (laughs) 
And then at the news conference, we had a couple nice cameos from the animated series. Um, the reporter there was Summer Gleason. Yep. Nice to see her. And then when um, Councilman Butt Monkey is going off on his little rant, oh, get used to it. That that there's going to be a lot of those for a while. <laughs> you can uh, when he's talking about the co- some of the cops in the GCPD hating Batman. You see Bullock, you know, turn his head away and put up his coat. Yeah, I, I like that little touch. Yeah, I just love. But Bullock is apparently a metahuman in this. He's he's Fred J. Dukes apparently. He's a, <laughs> he's a big guy. For, for those of you who don't know, that's the Blob from the X Men. No prize if you got that. Yeah, sorry to cross the streams. That's all right. <laughs> when I said there may have been a cameo from Vicky Vale, I th- was Vicky Vale a redhead? Uh, I can't remember. Summer Saint Cloud was always sort of platinum blonde. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking it's the lady who threw the wine in his face. <clears throat> yeah, I mean it could have been. I mean most of those other socialites on the the animated series actually got names. Um, mm-hmm. I just I can't remember them off the top of my head. Oh, and did you notice that we got Har- Harley Quinn in this movie? No, I missed that. Okay, well, it's because Harley's not actually in the movie. Oh. <laughs> the Asian okay. uh, flimsy that... is voiced by Arlene Sorkin. Okay, all right. The one who says, engagement. Yeah. Oh, okay, did yeah. Paris Strong didn't do the animated series? I thought, uh, uh, she's Batgirl. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, uh, she, she does. Uh, she does Harley in the the video games, so though. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Arlene Sorkin did Harley through Arkham Asylum, and then when Arkham City started, the role passed to Tara Strong. Oh, okay. Being the video game guy, I should have known that. I am ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to my next episode, if you get the reference, you play video games. <laughs> <laughs> I specifically put one in there for just for you two. Okay. All right. All righty. So, does anyone have anything they want to talk about more in this little section? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, right. no. I was just going to reiterate the point that um, him actually doing detective work is such a huge. I was, so when I watched it at about fourteen years old, I was like, oh my god. Because on the TV show, on the animated series, he would do it too. It wasn't just him punching guys, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. But you don't have the world's greatest detective who sprung from detective comics and then not have him do detective work. Yeah, and the movies have always kind of skirted. They've done a little, but I mean, it's you know, it's glossed over in every yeah. almost every single one. I yeah, mean, they want to get to the punchy. So, yeah, I do too. But it's like when the in the the three Nolan movies, when the only detective work he actually does is like when he's recreating that bullet shrapnel. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. it. That's the only time he does anything. Yeah, and it's in those three pretty weak. <laughs> and it wasn't even in the Batcave. Yeah, and no. it doesn't even really make much sense if you know, just watching it and like, what the hell is he trying to do exactly? <laughs> I don't think he made it loud enough, Mister Wayne. It, yeah, so yeah, I mean that was a big one for me too, hero. Sorry, interrupted. Nope, Sorry. go for it, Scott. Oh, I just said. Uh, I blessedly didn't know too much about this going in. I mean, Joker was in it, and it was uh, Mark Hamill and all that. And I said I I thought it was came out before the animated series because it didn't have Harley in it because I knew she was so big in the series. So I was amazed that 
she wasn't in it at all, really. I think... it, t- it took time for Harley to be... To get, yeah. To, to get this... where she was. She was supposed to be a one-off character, and then they, yeah. needed, they needed another henchman, and they brought her back. Yeah. No, but my biggest surprise, I think, watching it for the first time, because I didn't really know about it, was that we were getting a Bruce Wayne love story, you know, mm-hmm. and a, it, a big one that's very a, integral a, to the plot. And an actual good one. Where, yeah, yeah. Where Bruce is not just, um, he's not the parody version that you see on Superhero Yeah, he have a one-night or, stand and then invite her into the Batcave. Um, yeah. Or, and then hang upside down by his ankles for some reason. <laughs> yeah, oh or, or Alfred invites her into the Batcave and he doesn't. I mean, who fight. led Vicky Vale to the Batcave? One of them said, oh, hey, Vic. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great scene. Uh, but yeah, so that was intriguing and, and a little off-putting, too, because it's not something usually, you know, I, I don't think, other than Catwoman, you know, we don't really know the love of Batty's life, you know, but it, this, this is apparently her. But it's tied into his origin so yeah. well. I yeah. mean, it, it makes so much, it's, it's heartbreaking for him, because we never actually see that in any other version where it was him questioning himself. I like when they do Batman that's not the Grant Morrison super Batman mm-hmm. that yeah. never has a flaw. It's just, it's way more interesting when he's a real person. And he's real in this, because he gets the bag beaten out of him several times. Oh, yeah. and we'll be getting into that. We'll be getting into that. Uh, well, I think we'll head into our next section then, because we're, we're talking about the backstory. Let's get into some backstory. All right. Okay, part two. Spectres of the Past. We flash back to, I'm guessing about ten or so years ago, with Bruce just about ready to finish college and visiting his parents' grave. He spent his entire life training and preparing to become a vigilante, but he's not quite there yet. Well, while visiting his parents' grave and reaffirming his vow, he hears a woman's voice mention his name and he assumes she's trying to get his attention. Nope. Sorry, Bruce. She's just talking to her dead mother. Trust me, you don't want to get involved with that kind of crazy. Never mind. You <laughs> just a redhead. Go for it, dude. Yeah. And a redhead voice by Dana Delaney. Yes. Definitely go for it, dude. <laughs> the two have a nice conversation about how they each gain a little comfort from speaking to their dead loved ones and thinking about how they would react if they were still alive. Bruce and Andrea flirt a little with Andrea driving off into the city. A couple nights later, I'm guessing, a shadowy figure perches on a rooftop watching a loading dock being robbed. Pulling a ski mask over his face, the not-quite-Batman tries to interrupt the robbery. The thieves just laughed, and then we get some very nice Fighty McFightingstein copyright, Andy Leyland, all rights reserved. (laughs) The getaway driver tries to speed away, but Bruce leaps onto the open rear door of the truck and hangs on for dear life. Then, after a scene that would make Dr. Henry Jones Jr. proud, Bruce returns to Wayne Manor with the first of many, many, many wounds and scars to come. Yeah. (laughs) The next morning, abandoned Bruce talks with Alfred about how he knows he's physically and mentally ready for the plan, but there's still something missing. The crooks weren't afraid of him. He needs an icon, a symbol. Something to strike fear into the hearts of evil men. Yeah, that's the shadow. 
with. <laughs> Interchangeable. <laughs> Something elemental. Something that can both strike fear in a superstitious, cowardly lot, and also be easily mass-marketed on 2000s of t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Bruce receives a visit from Andrea, and after a couple of judo throws, poor Alfred walks in on the couple making out on the front lawn. So, go Bruce. I mean, you went from having a woman slightly interested in you to ready to sleep with you in five minutes. Who says you're not a player? He's, he's a player. <laughs> he's a billionaire. He probably has women lined up around the block to sleep with him in five minutes. <laughs> With the two wrapped in each other's arms, and I think this may actually be the point where Bruce lost his virginity, we return to the present, where Alfred reminds Bruce that there's a party in his house, and Miss Bambi, who, as we mentioned, was played by Arlene Sorkin, so again, we get a nice Harley Quinn reference without actually having her in this movie, is dancing on the piano. As you do. Again. (laughs) Putting on his playboy persona, Bruce returns to the party. Oh... Oh, there's some great stuff in this. Why, why don't you guys go first, real quick? It uh, it is great stuff. Um, anytime they go back to do the Batman origin, they can do it really simply, and they can do just the quick flashback of his parents being shot, and then you know you can do like they used to do in the comic, show him fiddle around with um, you know bunts of burners and beakers and lifting five hundred pound weights with one arm. Yeah, or they can actually give him a real human story like they do in this one, uh, which is something that I don't think they really ever did. Batman Begins kind of came close to it with him kind of having the relationship with Rachel, but it's he's he's out of that relationship pretty damn fast in that movie. Well, having her blow up kind of killed it. Well, I mean, it begins where, you know, oh, he's got yeah. the gun and he's ready to shoot Joe Chill, and yeah. after that, it's okay, well, now I'm on this boat leaving the United States. Uh, you know, that reminded me a lot of Rachel in the first one, actually. And, you know, just the, the same kind of dynamic, just very close from early on in life. And, you know. Yeah, it's, it's different when that's your childhood friend. It's different when you meet someone that's clearly going through their own loss and pain. Um, you know, it's that kind of kindred souls thing, and it's not like like Bruce talks about later, it's not what he was expecting. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a far more human Batman that we're getting again uh, here at the start, who's not perfect, who is questioning himself, and it's, it makes him a far more interesting character. I just... They don't do enough with that in the media outside of the comics, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and I'm very thankful that it's in this particular version. Oh, yeah. Uh, and... I don't, again, I I paid attention to the sound because no one does the Bruce to Batman switchover as well as Kevin Conroy. Yeah, it's the same as Christopher Reeve taking his glasses off and straightening up in the the original Superman movie. And listen to this for just a second, friends. See if you can pick it up. It's just that when I talk to her out loud, I can imagine how she'd reply. I can hear her like she's right there. I talked to my parents. What'd you say? I made a vow. What vow? A secret one. Ooh, a man of mystery. Have you kept your vow? So far. Did you notice that when 
He's talking to Andre about the vow. It's it's lighthearted. It's, you know, his Bruce Wayne voice. But Lenny goes, so far. Instant yeah. switch to Batman. Mm-hmm. I like how they played with his, his mental state in this, too, a bit. And kind of a la... Well, it reminded me of Dark Knight Returns and the, the scene where he's kind of literally talking to himself. And it's like, you can't ignore me. He doesn't do that explicitly in this. But you you definitely feel the weight of of him not really having a choice. And it, it manifests kind of unsettlingly through his parents. And I know we're not exactly... I mean, we're kind of there, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's it's almost like it's their ghosts that are making him be Batman. You know, it, it's very... Okay. Very targeted. It's, it's the vow he made, but I mean, it's you know, it's almost like he's hearing them nagging him about it, and it's kind of creepy, to be honest with you. At least that's kind of how I felt about it. And it's like, whoa, Bruce is even a little more screwed up than we thought he was. No, I mean, he's been broken since he was ten years old. Yeah, sure, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think I've ever seen it really portrayed that way either. That he he literally. Uh, talks to his parents and, and has to plead with them. It's like, please, can you let me out of this? We'll we'll get yeah. into that. We'll yeah. we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not the you know midnight vow. Him as a ten year old in the dock with Alfred in a candle. Yeah, it's it's a far deeper thing. Yeah, because yeah. again, you know, he's been preparing his whole life for this. He's ready to go. Um, he's just one step away from. Well. He, he even tried it. We see him try it with, uh, you know, the, the ski mask. So, Daredevil, Batman did it first. Yeah, oh yeah, you know. <laughs> Frank Miller. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's the one, the, one of the best parts about year one um, that he did was Batman's first night out, basically. Yeah. And they're just cursing himself for being so bad at it <laughs> the first time, you know. And um, I just wanted to bring this up. The, uh, what you were talking about, you know, the specter, I tend to call that, Scott, the shadow of the bat. Because <laughs> every time, as the movie goes on, and we'll talk about, and I, and I made a point of this, every time it seems that Bruce and Andrea are getting a little closer, you know, Bruce is going a little bit further, there's mm-hmm. something to remind us, hey, he's going to be Batman. Because as she's driving off, what do we get? Thunderstorms. Yep. Also, Bruce, while while you go out at night, I appreciate the fact that you know you're trying to stop crime. But, dude, you wore dress shoes to take down guys. We we <laughs> need to talk here, Bruce. <laughs> Not exactly distinguishing himself from the criminal element with his outfit either. <laughs> no. Oh, and let, let, let's just talk about Andrea real quick. She's, you know, as we mentioned, she has a legitimate human relationship with Bruce. She's got a great personality. She's smart. She's beautiful. She's able to take down Bruce in more ways than one. Oh. <laughs> she's a redhead. I mean... Oh. Oh, it's a bonus. Yes. Yeah. This voice by Danny Delaney, who, because of her oh, role here, was able... She, she was, you know, put top of the list for Lois Lane when they were planning Superman. Rightfully yeah. so. Mm-hmm. She would have killed it. Yeah, that would have been awesome. She was. She was Lois on the Superman animated series. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And poor Alfred. <laughs> yeah. He, he walked in on him like ever... four times in this movie. <laughs> he becomes a running gag, and he'll never, ever be able to deliver that lemonade. 
<laughs> but he used to diaper Bruce's bottom, so he's clearly I used seen to diaper your bottom. Yeah. <laughs> well, there went that note. <laughs> Meaning, I trust that once you're done with him, you'll be seeing her. You think you know everything about me, don't you? I diapered your bottom. I bloody well ought to, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing I want to say about Andrea is I just thought it was a, a really, really well written part. You know, I really, you know, never really the damsel in distress, obviously, considering what she's up to. Yeah. Um, Paul Dini d- writes women very well. Yeah. Yeah. And I was very impressed with, you know, just even the dialogue between them just felt very natural and very conversational. And it was really an exceptional written piece. Mm-hmm. Now, from the research I did, um, when it comes to Paul Dini writing in this, um, Alan Burnett pretty much did it, and Paul Dini just did some touch-ups, but yeah, uh, I can't... When Paul Dini writes women, he writes women characters amazingly. Um, Gotham Sirens, that first arc, I bought bought that series just because, oh, Paul Dini is writing Harley Quinn and Catwoman. Sold! There you go. <laughs> but, oh, you know, to quote Michael Bailey, if I was only a drawing, I know I wouldn't stand a snowball's chance in hell with Andrea, but I sure as hell would try. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If she were human, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Schwing. Yeah. <laughs> Party on, dudes. Hey, you gotta hand it to the guy. His favorite character is Zatanna, and he married a woman who basically is Zatanna. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Lucky guy. Yeah. Also, by the way, have you guys ever had a chance to read his, um, like, I, I guess it's an autobiography or something about the accent he had? No, I heard the podcast. I did. I heard, I've heard the podcast that he did with Kevin Smith about the the mugging that happened to him. It's. Um, I, I do want to track oh, yeah. that down and read it yeah. though. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, there's a um, graphic novel Paul Dini wrote about how writing for the animated series pretty much saved his life. Yeah, yeah. That, that. because because he was a victim of violence, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. he said he was mugged. Yeah, like badly. Oh too. yeah, it wasn't yeah. like just. Stick him up and give us your wallet. Wasn't he like assaulted pretty badly? Or? Yeah, he was. He was beaten pretty badly. Yeah. If that Alex Ross cover has any indication, yeah, it was. Yeah. Close. So I can imagine writing Batman would be pretty cathartic for something like that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, that is pretty much what I would want to do to get over something like that. Is either play a lot of Batman video games or write Batman. And he did both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so anything on this little flashback that you guys like to add? Uh, I think we covered it. Okay. Part three, Buzzkill. Ah! Later that night, across town at the Gotham Cemetery, mob bus Buzz Bronski is paying his respects to Chucky Soul. Why he didn't do that during the actual funeral during daylight hours, I don't know. Busy man. (laughs) Well, a Apparently, The Undertaker is about to get even more work as the Phantasm arrives and chases Buzz into an open grave and proceeds to drop a half-ton stone angel on him. Yeah. 
Seriously. Angel of death awaits you. That greenish gray smoke has to have some kind of superpower. Because uh, I, even with the statue being as close to the edge of it as it was, and leverage and fulcrums, the amount of strength needed to push it over onto Buzz had to be a lot. Buzz's henchmen arrive at the scene and, one, realize, hey, we're out of work, and two, that there's a figure with a cape fleeing in the distance. And since there's only one person in Gotham with that particular motif, because, you know, we're not counting Robin, Batgirl, Huntress, (laughs) (laughs) or any of the other heroes who tend to visit Gotham from time to time, the underworld, because, hey, they haven't been animated yet, the underworld immediately assumes that the Bat has finally crossed the line and declared war on the Mafia. I think it's a logical assumption. It's his turf, you know. His hood. Yep. (laughs) um, You want to fight crime in Gotham, you got to go through the bat, damn it. True, true. (laughs) The next morning, extremely elderly mob boss Salvatore Valestra reads of Buzz's murder in the paper. Tessio. Fearing that Batman will be coming for him next, he starts calling in favors, but first has a massive emphysema attack. Get used to him hacking and wheezing throughout this movie. (laughs) I did just because I'm fat. (laughs) Councilman Buttmonkey is now ramping up his anti-Batman rhetoric and demands that Commissioner Gordon haul Batman into jail. Gordon refuses and then decides to write himself out of the movie, saying he'll have no part of it, and that's the last we ever see of Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> yeah. it's, this is not a Gotham PD movie. This is a Batman movie. <laughs> Turning to noted anti-Batman detective Harvey Bullock, a task force is set up to capture the Dark Knight. And as usual, when the DCPD talks about him, Batman is just outside Gordon's window and <laughs> hears the whole conversation, so when the bat signal turns on, he ignores it, and the cops waiting for him. It's a bat hashtag. He gets notified whenever <laughs> they talk about him. I like that. <laughs> hashtag signal. <laughs> who, who, yeah. who, needs, who needs a brilliant uh, lamp on a building anymore? Yeah. Batman heads to the scene of Bruce's murder and again acts like, you know, and actual detective, complete with his own narration and taking down notes. Mm-hmm. Well, and to pause for an epic shot of him in full costume standing in front of his parents' grave. He's lost in thought and is surprised to hear Andrea's voice and immediately flees when she sees him. Seeing that Batman was standing next to the Wayne tombstone and not any other tombstone in the entire graveyard, Andrea (laughs) (laughs) immediately figures out that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Gotta admit, I thought this was a little sloppy on his part. (laughs) Well, he's not perfect, Batman, that's why. Right, right, but, yeah. It just, uh, it seems like kind of stealth 101 there. (laughs) So, she figures out that Batman is Bruce in this, which is something that the other woman she would play in the DC animated universe wouldn't figure out about the superhero in her life. And, yeah. <laughs> and in fact, Andre, in fact, Lois actually figures out Batman is Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So you guys want to talk about the Batman Superman movie after this? <laughs> Eventually. Because it's awesome. 
The following evening, Andrea is having dinner with Councilman Butt Monkey while her ex is stalking her from the rooftop across the street. So I guess superhero. No, he's doing detective work. <laughs> okay. Super detective work. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, but I have to finish my gag. So I guess superhero X stalking isn't strictly Superman's gig. I mean, who knew? Uh, <laughs> well, then you got to put it on Spider-Man then as well, because why was he hanging around near where Mary Jane was? Because he could. Because yeah. what well, else would, does Mary yeah. Jane do in those movies besides scream? <laughs> Not much, unfortunately. That's why everybody loved Gwen in The Amazing Spider-Man. She actually did things. Yeah. Of course, they actually had chemistry too, but that's a whole other story. Ouch. As the rain drips down his cowl, Batman again does what Batman does best and begins to brood about the past, and we head into another flashback. Later. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, here's a question, and why we have to really give the Phantasm Smoke a gimme, like you said, Chris. Buzz throws a pickaxe at phantasm yeah a broken pickaxe we should say she does cut it in half she cuts the the business end off of it first but uh he does throw a pointed piece of three foot of wood at her and um she just phases right through it yeah yeah i I mean it's full-on nightcrawler there's no question (laughs) yeah just no bamf effect that would have been so awesome though (laughs) yeah but a trademark violation wait there, there was a sound effect whenever the smoke came out We'll say yeah. it's a BAMF. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's spell it B-A-M-P-H, and we won't get into <laughs> that. That's the fresh, cool way the kids spell it. <laughs> yeah. So, also, we get to see Abe the Goat in this movie. So, Abe, how did you get into Yay. this movie? He was still alive. Oh, he still <laughs> is. Did he really? Yeah, I believe so. Tom, can you get me off for old time's sake? No, but I can get you a part in a Batman movie. You can't. You can't kill Abe Vigoda. <laughs> Apparently not. You know. Well, it's, it's, it's the cast list again. Yeah, you got Abe Vigoda. You got uh, Dick uh, Miller was Chucky. Dick Miller. Yeah, yeah. and um, uh, yeah. Officer, uh, what's his name from uh, Cheech and Chong is uh, the Phantasm. Oh yeah. Yes. Okay. Station. Well, since yeah. I completely forgot to go over the cast list, let's go over the cast list. We just did. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, Kevin, Kevin, Dana, Hart. Kev, Kevin Conroy is Bruce Wayne and Batman. Dana Delaney is Andrea Beaumont. Mark Hamill, the one and only Joker, except no substitutes. Yes. Hart Bachner, as we mentioned, is Arthur Reeves, a.k.a. Councilman Butt Monkey. Abe Vigoda is Salvatore Velestra, and Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., rest in peace, my friend the only Alfred Pennyworth I cared about for 30-some years. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, I can't... What the hell is Officer Stadenko's name? Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach, yes, as as Charles Beaumont Mm -hmm. in The Phantasm. Okay. I knew I I was forgetting somebody. We had uh, John Ryan playing Bronski, just a you know, huge character actor and just about one of those. I've seen that guy somewhere. Yeah, and then uh, 
the class, you know, you got uh, George uh, Zunza as, uh, oh, is he um, Gordon or Bullock? I can't remember. He's he's Gordon, and then Bob Hastings uh, is Gordon. Bob Hastings is Gordon. George Zunza is uh, is uh, Bullock. And both of them and, passed away sadly. Yeah, I got Robert Costanzo here is is Bullock. Oh, okay, so is Robert Costanzo? Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's the bald guy. Oh, yeah, bald guy. And uh, IMDb was, anyway. Yeah, well, he he's also the one who you know told you know Quaid that he blabbed about Maz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, that the guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah they've I never think... been, never had a problem attracting top shelf talent to these things. I no, think it's great. Well, it's not even so much top talent; it's they get the right voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the characters. I mean, Adrian Barbeau is Catwoman. It's like that's the most perfect casting ever. Oh, Come yeah. on. <laughs> I just want to hear that woman read me the phone book. I don't care <laughs> what she's playing, really. So you need to go and you need to get yourself a copy of The Fog so that you can listen to her talking to the. Oh yes! Oh, we we were well accustomed to the fog. What was that book? (laughs) The the fog. John Carpenter's The Fog. If you if you're a big Adrian Barbeau fan, and you want to hear her voice, that's the movie to watch. Uh, Guys, I uh, I have to cut the podcast early. Yeah, I'll be in my bunk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um. Also, getting back to Sal, you know, Sal. Two mob bosses get whacked out of all the mob bosses in Gotham, and you think Batman's immediately going to be coming after you? Dude, you're like two feet in the grave, and all that's left is your pinky from getting in. And, (laughs) you know, Rupert Thorne would be a more likely candidate for Batman to whack than you at this point. Yeah. Oh, and Commissioner Gordon has such a great line. Take a listen. What do you mean you won't? You have to go after him! He didn't do it. It's garbage, Mr. Reeves. The Batman does not kill. Period. Now, if only Tim Burton and Zack Snyder listened to that line. (laughs) The Batman doesn't kill. Yes. Yeah, and I like they they stuck with that through this. I mean, it was, you know, pretty much... You needed to for the for the whole story to even work, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's this guy around going around killing, and they think it's Batman, but it can't be because he doesn't. Oh, and this is. Then we get to see one of the few times we get to see the. Except Batman once again, I still say the door stomp guy was not ever getting up. But... He's not dead. He's which, dead. Which guy? I'm sorry. The door, the door stomp, stomp yeah. guy. He had his head under the door and Bat stomped on it. And the human skull does not take that much pressure. It's just a little concussed. Yeah. We're <laughs> fractured. He went to prison. Nitpicking, you know. That's <laughs> what We're we geeks, do. That's what we do. <laughs> but at least it wasn't as blatant as Batman wrapping his legs around that one guy in the bell tower and throwing him down the shaft. Yeah. Yeah. Or the bomb, or setting the guy on fire. Yeah, Burton Bats is pretty murdery. (laughs) Blowing up Axis chemicals. Yeah. While not even being there. Or, you know, Zack Snyder, after the guy surrenders, Batman grabs a knife and just stabs him through the chest. So, let's 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 get off that. I'm going down. Yes, the horse is dead. We can stop now. (laughs) Let's let's talk. So, we get to see one of the few times we get to see the Batmobile. And, personally, this is my favorite Batmobile of all time. It's pretty awesome. Um, I like 
I think this, my second favorite is the 89 uh, Bat- Batmobile. Yeah. Yeah, I, I in terms of design, that. yeah, I mean the '89 Batmobile was pretty friggin' rad looking. I mean, it only drove like 20 miles an hour, but whatever. Um, Shields up is awesome. I, I I don't know. I after the animated series, I probably have to go with the '66. I just mm-hmm. I love that the mm-hmm. Ford Future concept car. I just I think it's rad looking. I I do have a question with the '66 Batmobile because don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful car. It's amazing. Like it's it's. You, but below 89 for me, it's right, you know, in the top three. If it rained, did those things, like, close so that they weren't so... Because it didn't, you know, it just seemed to all that open air... Air... You know, I don't know. Were... I don't think it ever rained on the 66 show. Huh. They had bat armor all. They just sprayed it on their cowl and <laughs> costumes. <laughs> they just beat it right off. Turtle that legs. umbrella. That umbrella. Yeah. That umbrella. <laughs> uh, so, again, we see Batman being a detective. Going right Batman's down got his... that crap handled, Aaron. That's all you have to know. He's got it handled. Yeah, but again, this is, Batman. A Bat- <laughs> this, this is a Batman movie, so all I can say is witchcraft, heresy. <laughs> and again, we get to see the shadow of the bat on the Wayne tombstone, and there's a reason I made that my Facebook image because it's just you don't even have to know anything about Batman just you see that image you get the whole backstory yeah yeah you get what he's going for the vibe you know pretty easily there get you in the atmosphere now do you think that's a little weird how Andre instantly realizes Batman's Bruce they had a connection yeah, and she knows his history. It wouldn't wouldn't take the world's greatest detective to figure it out if you saw Batman hanging around the Wayne uh, tombstone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you knew Bruce before he was the goofy billionaire playboy persona, mm-hmm. you'd you'd get it. Okay, I just that that. Makes I'd like to sense. think I would. You'd be able to put that together, but then again, I might just be like, "Holy crud! It's Batman!" And my mind would go blank after that. So. Okay, yeah, because that, that cleared up a lot to me, because I'm like, well, wait, just because Batman's standing next to the Wayne tombstone doesn't necessarily make him Batman, but then, oh yeah, she, she knows, knows his history, the She knows he can fight, you know, he's actively practiced martial arts with her um, on many different forms, you know, the, the jujitsu and the, uh, you know, kung fu and the, uh, the Kama Sutra too, probably. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Well, she was a, a what no, I'm mixing that up with Harley. I was going to say, well, she was a gymnast, but no, that was I, I just did a podcast on Mad Love, so I I'm, I'm mixing up the two. <laughs> Took Colleen Wings a self-defense class or something like that. Yeah, yeah. She she said self-defense <laughs> class, so. Yeah. All righty. Well, I think we're done, we're pretty well got this section done, so let's go back to our second big flashback. And Real quick, I just want to say, the flashbacks are great. They're like what the Arrow flashbacks were from seasons one and two. They com- they complemented <laughs> the story. They gave you the information you needed, and they actually made sense. And they didn't interrupt the story. They added to it, unlike some dream sequences in a recent movie. <laughs> uh, Where a certain superhero suddenly shows up out of nowhere, and you're like, <laughs> what the hell was that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 
anyhow, again. Well, there's a way to do it where it's clunky, and there's a way to do it where it it flows, and this definitely the, flowed. This yeah. is the flow. This is the. This is the. If you want to write a superhero movie, this should be on the curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, part four, Crossroads. back to Batman the College Years, we see our hot young CWS couple attend the 19... <coughs> the 19... <coughs> excuse me, Gotham World's Fair. <laughs> Actually having a good time and smiling and... This is Bruce Wayne, right? Not not a pod person? Yeah, yeah, right, seriously, yeah. this is Bruce Wayne, right? <laughs> yeah. He and Andrea have a pretty nice afternoon together. About the only thing that tears young Bruce away from the smoking hot redhead attached at his arm and more than likely his waist later that night is the automobile of the future. Oh, yeah. A car that looks mightily familiar to us and we probably saw about ten minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Leaving the fair, Andrea borrows Bruce's car phone. Hey, that's kind of cool. Rotary. Rotary car phone. Mm-hmm. To let her father know that her boy toy is going to be coming over for dinner. Note to self, anyone who ever tried dating the Huntress back in the Bronze Age, when she was Batman's daughter, uh, you have my utmost sympathy, good sir. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's bad enough meeting your girlfriend's dad when he's not, you know, the <laughs> scariest thing on earth that isn't wearing clown makeup. Yeah. <laughs> when Andrea's... Making while Andre is making her phone call, Bruce talks to Alfred about how crazy things are becoming. Andrea wasn't a part of the, you know, dress up in dark clothes, go out at night, beat up criminals instead of talking to a psychiatrist and actually dealing with my rage and abandonment issues plan. Alfred simply says, I think it's quite the reverse, sir. The next day, ish, Andrea and Bruce meet her father, Carl Beaumont at his office where we get to see paralegal accountant I'm not sure exactly what skeezball he actually hasn't been promoted to councilman butt monkey yet Carl and Bruce actually seem to be hitting it off well but they are interrupted by Sal Valestra actually looking pretty dapper and a whole lot less emphysemy wanting to speak with Carl (laughs) Bruce and Andrea leave the office now, as they leave the building, for some reason, in the street across the office, there's a vendor holding a cash box full of cash, jewelry, Rolexes, the Hope Diamond. With no one else around being 
with no one else around whatsoever, and he's being robbed by a bunch of biker dudes. Bruce begins to rush in to save the helpless vendor, but Andrea pulls him back. Promising her he would come back in one piece, Bruce rushes in and begins to channel his inner trinity and does a bullet time kick to the face on one of the bikers, knocking him off the motorcycle. Yeah. Well, as usually happens when the hero's fighting bad guys with his girlfriend watching, he is suddenly overcome with I have to protect her feelings and gets distracted, taking a high-speed baseball bat to the chest and I'm pretty sure breaking a couple ribs, but hey, he's Batman, so that's just a paper cut to him. Yeah. Upset that he lost to the punks, his pride was hurt, and he's no longer masculine, and that they got away, Bruce spurns Andrea as she tends to him. Later that night at Wayne Manor, Bruce is torn about what he spent his entire life preparing for and his feelings for Andrea. Bruce goes to his parents' gravesite, and after one of the most emotional and gripping scenes ever done in animation, which you will hear right now, doing this for it's got to be one or the other i can't have it both ways i can't put myself on the line as long as there's someone waiting for me to come home miss beaumont would be glad to know you feel that way master bruce she's holding on line one sir master bruce Alfred, I can't. Not now. What shall I say, sir? I don't know. I just don't know! It doesn't mean I don't care anymore. I don't want to let you down, honest, but... But it just doesn't hurt so bad anymore. You can understand that, can't you? Look. I can give money to the city. They can hire more cops. Let someone else take the risk. But it's different now. Please. I need it to be different now. I know I made a promise. But I didn't see this coming. I didn't count on being happy. Tell me that it's okay. Maybe they already have. Maybe they sent me. Bruce chooses Andrea. Oh my god, that would never happen. <laughs> yeah, that, that leaves a, a bad uh, Dark Knight Rises taste in my mouth too, but... No, I actually, I buy it in this, though. Yeah, this, they set it up, at least. You know, you, you believe that she meant that much to him, and and they addressed the obvious, you know, thing that a lot of superhero movies and TV shows don't, in that it's going to be, you know, like people like Spider-Man always have, but it's like, it's going to be pretty rough to be with this guy. Should I put another person through this? Mm-hmm. Uh... Let's, um, again, I love the um, just the art style in, in this scene because of the uh, the World's Fair. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it looked like something straight out of Disney in the um, House of the Future, the World of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, I just. Mm. Yeah, there's a whole can't. sequence of of like that, and or like Future World or something. One of the Arkham games, too, if I remember correctly. I think Arkham City. Yeah, you can't you can't fault the the design of of the show at all. Nope. And again, we see how the shadow of the bat is appearing as we see the automobile of the future. I can just yeah. see I can just see Bruce going up to the inventor and saying. Does it come in black? <laughs> uh, yeah. Is this the only one you have? And can you hide this from the rest of the world and let me buy it off you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, we find out that Carl is involved in some shady dealings with some shady people. So, you know, Carl, as we're going to learn later, embezzling from the mob, it's not a, you know, smart idea for continued breathing. Generally never ended well for anyone. No. no. Also, interesting how we got the Matrix seven years before the Matrix. Yeah, and it's really hard to do slow motion and animation. <laughs> really? Uh, could you could you expand on that, Chris? Because that's, that's interesting. Uh, just from watching the, the behind-the-scenes stuff for a lot of animated stuff, it's any time that you have to make something look like it's being done in um, slow motion, like in live action, it's really hard to do in animation for some reason. I, I can't give you a more technical explanation. No, that, that, that's fine. That. Hey, that, well, I didn't I would it was ex- difficult. I would expect the reason is, and that it was especially animation like that that wasn't you know fully computer generated. It probably is less of a problem now, but if we're talking actual cell animation, the idea is that it's a bunch of pictures they yeah. have to make go very fast to make them animated. So the more slow you go with them, the more you know you would potentially notice the the difference in the frames that you're watching. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's got to be a way to round it, obviously. But it, it's it probably you have to kind of go back to the drawing board for you know literally for for the scenes that you want to do it and and produce it a completely different way. That's just my completely unqualified guess at it, anyway. Yeah, it works for me. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of rain. Check our work anyway, right? A lot of rain animated in this movie too, and rain's not the easiest thing to do either. Because I'm, I'm, we saw some CGI like in the opening with with Gotham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm sure they tried to use it as much as they could, but again, this was back in 1993, so it was animated in '92. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, any computer it's, stuff. It's mostly there. hand animated. Yeah. yeah. It's mostly hand animated, which is a sadly a dying art. Yeah, I miss it. Alrighty, and you know, I like the scene at Wayne Manor with Bruce. We see him doing his little doodle of not quite Batman, not quite Space Ghost. Yeah, yeah. 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 and then he just you know throws tears it up, throws it in the fire, and he's just torn. You know. What what am I doing? And it's it's just great. You can f- hear the anguish in Kevin Conroy's voice as he's going. He he sees happiness. He knows it would ma- give make him happy, but he's still 
um, haunted well, like by, by this. Uh, he feels like he's betraying his parents. I mean, that's pretty that's explicit yep. in this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, it's really more visceral in this than anything I've ever yeah. seen. I mean, it's more. I always looked at it as more a vow to himself, you know, but it really does come down to being a vow to his parents. And yeah, he literally addresses them and pretty much begs them, yeah. their spirits, to let him out of the deal. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I've, I've tried, I've done my best, but I, I really want to be happy too. Because now we're going to get into the graveyard scene with that. Yeah. <sighs> Friends, I can't stress this enough go to youtube this is a clip easily found check it out because even though you heard the audio and you can hear the anguish and pain the visuals the look on bruce's face is heart-wrenching i have to like i said it's probably one of the greatest scenes in all of animation period not just for batman but animation as a medium would, would you guys tend to agree with that, or am I uh, over-exaggerating? I, it's, it's definitely up there, um, just in terms of emotional content. Maybe not so much technical content, um, but in terms of actually eliciting a human response from the viewer. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's a hard list to make. I'd probably go with General Woundwork battling Hazel and Watership Down. But um, oh, that's just off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's a good one too. I don't even know how that fell out of my head because so. that's a big one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've never and, seen and it. Still so scars I'll, me. I'll have to look that up. Oh, you uh, wait ten more years, and your soul might be ready for it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a rough go. <laughs> but to show to kids is is should be a war crime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and well, you know, let's let's talk about that for a second. At the, you know, this is a movie that I, get I think... my therapist on speed dial, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie that is, we can safely say, an all-ages movie. And not all-ages yeah. as in kids, you know, it's for kids and parents are drugged to it and they just pray that the credits roll fast. This is an all-ages movie where kids can enjoy it and adults can enjoy it because it's dealing with themes that are timeless and everybody gets what the story's trying to tell without having to get it beaten over your head with, such as the word fear. Yeah. I wouldn't go all ages on this. I mean, I think it's PG for a reason. I was actually surprised it wasn't PG-13 because there is some pretty brutal stuff in it. Yeah, it definitely. The Joker is definitely, you know, a no-holds-barred, murdery Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They it were- skews... It skews a little bit older. I mean, you can't if you've got a you know like an eight or nine year old kid who loves Batman, you can show this to them. They might actually be bored by it because it is more of a drama than yeah. something mm-hmm. that you'd see on Brave and the Bold or, or Justice League action. Uh, so I definitely think it skews a little bit older. But there's nothing patently offensive in it that you couldn't show to everybody. Right? Yeah, I would definitely say it'd be the eight to ten year old crowd. Yeah, and you know. From what you said, you know, that young being a little bored, I thinking back on it, in my to quote Sam Beckett, Swiss cheese memory, uh, I think I was getting a little bored by it too, because I wanted to see Batman punch people. <laughs> <laughs> but now well, he's he does an adult. Plenty of that. But sorry, sorry, go ahead, Chris. 
He does do plenty of it. It's just you got to get through the emotional beats first. No, I, I mean, I thought the yeah, I I could see how you could feel that, but I thought the the story was a nice nice twist that I wasn't expecting. So so I, I just rode with it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a happy ending, but and, Batman, so I should have known better. And and then <laughs> and then Andrea just you know he's like, I didn't count on being happy. Please tell me what to do. Don't, don't get too attached to it. You're Batman. And then I'm going to show that. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we know the end result because, again, this is all flashback. But yeah. at the moment, you know, yeah, you tend he, to forget he, what's going on because you're so – you get so wrapped up in it that you want him and Andrea to work out. You know it's not going yeah. to from the yeah. first flashback because he's Batman. Yeah, and he's not Batman until she's out of the picture. Because mm-hmm. – We'll be getting to that right now. Because, yeah. <clears throat> the second greatest animated scene of this movie is coming up. And in some cases, you could say it's the first. Part 5. The Choice. Returning to the present, we see Councilman Butt Monkey being met by Sal and refusing to offer any help to the aging gangster leaving him with the best dumbfounded look ever. Because apparently Sal and Councilman Monkey have had a past relationship. I don't know how he could stand all the emphysema, but that, you know, teach his own. (laughs) Meanwhile, at the Batcave, Batman is starting to piece together the connections between the the three gangsters, sneaking into what I think is Sal's office, he discovers a photo of the three gangsters with Colorado Beaumont and a few other henchmen, including one with a rather pointed nose, and that will be an important plot point later. He then immediately decides to, hey, you know, I'm alone in an office. I'm going to have a flashback. <laughs> so we see something that we have honestly never seen Bruce Wayne do. He proposes to Andrea, and she accepts. However, the Shadow of the Bat finally has had enough, and again, I think the Shadow of the Bat is the Force Ghosts of Bob Kane and Bill Finger. (laughs) (laughs) Because just as Andrea puts the ring on, they embrace, a massive swarm of bats fly out of a certain cave underneath a certain mansion, startling the couple. Taking Andrea home, the couple find some unexpected company already at the house. A rather shady-looking guy that we just saw in a photo from the future. Again, he has a rather distinctive nose, makes a little cat call on Andrea, and we'll get back to that subplot later in the movie. Which also is handled a lot better than another reveal from another Batman movie involving this character. (laughs) The next day... After exploring the cave, Bruce receives some rather bad news from Alfred. No, it's not Ace has died, but something just as important. <laughs> oh, darn lucky he didn't kill Ace in this. I would have. Ace is still around. around. Ace is still around in the Batman Beyond future, so oh, yeah. you can't kill Ace. Yeah, yeah, he's probably actually stuffed in the cave in the trophy room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
No, no, no. No, Ace actually tears into villains in Batman Beyond. Yet another yeah. reason to check that Ooh, show out. Nice. Definitely. Meow! This is the part everybody decided to take a break for a minute. Well, when they got back, Arrow decided to restart the synopsis a little bit, so you're going to hear a little bit of a repeat. <sighs> Aaron, you need to remember where you stop. The next day, after exploring the cave, Bruce receives some rather bad news from Alfred. No, not that Ace the Bat Hound has died, as we mentioned, but that Andrea has broken off their engagement of less than 24 hours. So, with the love of his life out of the picture, Bruce makes his choice, and in the single greatest suiting-up scene ever filmed, the Batman is born. Better than uh, bat nipples and crotch shots in uh, Batman and Robin? I don't... Say it isn't so. <laughs> I'll be that guy. I don't hate Batman and Robin. <laughs> I don't hate it either. I just hate parts I, of it. I like the 60s show a lot, so when you go into it with that mindset, it's entertaining. Sure. Mm, uh, bad credit card. That, that, that did it. Expiration date? Forever. <laughs> My question is, one... Where does the statement go? And two, does Batman have a social security number? <laughs> so, so he has his own driver's license under Batman. Now, you got it handled, Aaron. He's Batman. He's Batman. Now, now all I'm thinking is Batman at the DMV getting plates for the Batmobile. <laughs> come on, the slides we go for three hours. <laughs> does it come in black? <laughs> Would you like to land uh, your title, Mr. Batman? <laughs> How much? It's an extra dollar. What do you think the excise tax is on the Batmobile? <laughs> do you think it's listed as I've ever made my or life. sport? <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a business vehicle, right? Yeah. yeah. We're going to get a oh, pretty we... right off. Uh, we, 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 we've gone off the rails now. <laughs> All right. Let's get this train back on track. All right. So, I really love just for the one and only time we see Councilman Butt Monkey actually being a man and saying, "Nope, you're on your own, pal." And then, but Sal's like, "No, I'm going to. Batman's going to kill me." And I just go, "No, Sal, emphysema's going to do that to you. <laughs> Cancer, it'll do it to you." And a, or you know, someone forgot to give you your oxygen tank this morning. Yeah. Uh oh. And again, I, I, is this the only time that Bruce has ever proposed to somebody? Has that ever been done in the comics? Like with um, so, Silver St. Cloud or uh, Julian? I Madison? honestly, I don't know. No, I'm sure it had to be over his history. I mean, didn't he <laughs> marry one of the Batwomans at one point or something, probably? Or I don't know. They married uh, Catwoman that. on Earth, too, right? Okay, I can't imagine they never went there. No idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he did He did marry uh, Catwoman on Earth, too. He never made it official with Talia or anything? No, he just had Damien. No. <laughs> just to... Talia does not need the piece of paper or the ring. She just needed the seeds. Oh, yeah. Protective. Yeah. And Sounds good. Then... Um, Do you guys have anything about like the gangster scene or anything before we get into 
the suit up? Uh, not really. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just this is kind of the meh part, isn't it? It's just yeah. Anyhow, yeah, I always love the good mafia stuff in any Batman story, so just along for the ride, you know. Yeah, you, you can't go wrong whenever there's, uh, you know, bowler-wearing, trench coat-wearing yeah. gangsters in a Batman story. I'm easy. I'm a traditionalist like that, yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about the suiting. Not enough suit. Tom Hagen or Michael Corleone, that's all I, all I would say. Uh, that that would have been <laughs> awesome if they had snuck a... Um, Robert Duvall into this, but that probably would have been too high money. Could have gotten away with Robert Loggia, though, if he was still around, I think. Oh, yeah, he would have been around in 93. (laughs) Yeah. And I'd love to make a Scarface quote, but I've never seen the movie. There's only one. You can't really say one. Yeah, you can't say there really aren't any that would go with a family-friendly show. (laughs) Hmm. Trust me on this. Oh, I know. I'm thinking, what all did he say in Big that I could quote? (laughs) (laughs) So, that suiting up scene, this was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, Because there's only one line of dialogue, and it's just after... You've got the music swell, I'm... And just the, my God. It's. When Alfred is terrified. Yeah. It worked. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's tough to argue with that. It's it's a great suit and up scene. I, I don't know. Stallone in, in Rambo First Blood Part 2 might be up there for me, though. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I'll say ever in my experience, because I haven't seen Rambo First Blood Part what? I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've never seen the whole thing. Oh God, you gotta watch the whole thing. I know. It, it, it's it, there's there's a long long list of classic movies I've I've got to watch. I, I have a movie bucket list. All right. <laughs> but just that whole dun 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 dun. I love how Shelley Walker was. Was able, Shirley Walker was able to get the Batman animated series theme into it, but make it even more epic. Um, yeah, I really love the score and all of this. I mean, it really just drives yeah. the drives the story very well. Yeah, I, mean, I bought the the limited re- release of the CD soundtrack of the score for this. It's worth it. Yeah, it is. Alrighty, well, we're in here into the home stretch now. So, let's go on to part six. Who's laughing now? We return to the present. For now. Trust me, we're we're pretty much done with the flashbacks. (laughs) With Sal Sal arriving at the now-abandoned indicating Gotham's World Fair complex. Why he isn't... Why is he visiting this obvious supervillain hangout? Do you see an old friend? And also the reason why this is the greatest Batman movie of all time. For we get our first scene with the clown prince of crime himself. Everyone, again, please put your hands together for Batman's greatest villain, except no substitutes. The Joker, as played by Mark Hamill. Yay! Yes. Kermit, yay! Yay! (laughs) Well, 
<laughs> after a few scenes of reminiscing about old times and offering Joker a bounty of $5 million to kill Batman with an additional whatever he wants, Sal makes a pretty dumb move and, well, I'll let the <laughs> jo- I'll let Joker finish it. Fool, once he gets me, how long till he gets you? You know what I'm talking about. Your hands are just as dirty. Dirtier. Don't touch me, old man. I don't know where you've been. <laughs> oh, Sal, no one could take a joke like you. Of course I'll help you out. Really? Certain more. No way is anybody going to hurt my pal Sal. That's it. That's what I want to see. A nice big smile. And also, we get to go into PG Joker this time because he's allowed to use his Smilex gas to do what it's actually designed to do. Yeah. Murder! Yeah. We don't know that yet, though. But, oh, it's good. So, while this little uh, tete-a-tete is going on, we cross cut across Gotham City to Andrea's apartment, where Councilman Butt Monkey, who's once again trying to get into Andrea's panties, and of course is failing miserably, because that's been his running theme through the whole movie. Because he's not Batman. <laughs> yeah. Yep, he's not Batman, and if when he's not chasing Batman, he's trying to get into Andrea's pants. Well, noble cause. It is noble a noble cause, cause unfortunately. But he's not Batman. He's not Batman. <laughs> Well, after uh, Andrea decides to give a little ex uh, jealous, deep throating kissing of Councilman Butt Monkey, I missed that one. That that would be PG thirteen at least, I think. Yeah, she she lays on a pretty pretty thick kiss on him. Yeah, I, I think she hit tonsil. Um, nice. <laughs> we find that. She knows that Batman is. You'll find her... that one in the editing process, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I'll probably cut. I don't know. Well, uh, so anyhow, she knows that Batman is inside her apartment and decides to put on a show by deep throating. Wait, not that kind. Oh, oh, uh, that Batman's inside her apartment. Because <laughs> I'm Batman. Deep <laughs> throating. Uh, let's start this whole segment over. Meanwhile, across town in Andrea's apartment, Councilman Butt Monkey is once again trying to get into Andrea's panties and, of course, feels miserably because when he's not chasing Batman and trying to get him shot, he's trying to get into Andrea's panties, which is a noble cause. Yes. But he fails miserably, of course. Well, Andrea, being the smart cookie she is, knows that Batman's inside her apartment because, you know, her window's open and she knows it was shut. So she decides to get back at the X by... Uh, tonguing Councilman Butt Monkey because she knows Bruce is watching and just gritting his teeth. <laughs> Sorry. Well, after Councilman Butt Monkey leaves to go home and uh, have some one-on-one time by himself, Batman confronts Andrea that her father is the Phantasm and he isn't too happy that she kept that information from him. Yeah. Well, Andrea pretty much throws him out, but we see it's just a facade because as soon as Batman leaves, she collapses into a sobbing heap on the bed. That night, which may actually be 
later that night, maybe the following night. Again, time's wonky with this movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's not counting the flashbacks. Phantasm pays a visit to see old Sal, only to find the gangster got a hefty dose of Smilex gas with a booby trap strapped to his corpse, courtesy of the Joker. Barely escaping the exploding apartment, Phantasm is then chased by Batman, and we get some really good fighting between the two, and we yeah. should... In- hmm? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we should enjoy while it lasts, because it's about 30 seconds of fighting until the GCPD decides to crash the party and does their absolute best to put Batman in the ground. Escaping into a nearby construction site, Batman tries to hide from the cops, but pretty much the entire GCPD descends on the building. A SWAT officer, who's apparently never held a gun before and has no idea how to fire, decides to just spray and pray at the building, igniting some acetylene tanks, and in the soothing explosion, really tears Batman up. And did I mention, friends, that with the PG rating, they were able to get away with a lot more in the cuts, broken bones, and general violence in this movie? Yeah, just enough blood shown to make it hurt. Well, after some quick thinking, Batman is able to escape from the site, but is quickly followed by about, again, the entire GCPD. This would be revisited in the animated series later, and I would really like to talk about that (laughs) in a really great episode. (laughs) Escaping through an alley, Andrea picks up Bruce, and the two race through Gotham, losing the cops. At Wayne Manor, we find out just what that meeting that destroyed all their happiness was about. As Andrea explains that her father had been embezzling from the mob and was able, and the mob found out and wasn't too happy about it, so they decided to say, "Pay up or you die." Well, as the mob is wont to do, I'm yeah. told. Yeah, yeah, you don't mess with the mob. No. no. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to do underhanded dealings for the mob hiding their money, don't skim from them. It's not a good idea. <laughs> well, Carl is able to beg and plead and buy some time for them, and rather than, you know, having him, rather than turning to her boyfriend slash fiance that he doesn't know about, but definitely knows she's dating and possibly sleeping with. And, you know, the boyfriend who is the multi-billionaire that, you know, could help settle the debt. (laughs) I know. Carl figures... Pocket change. (laughs) Carl figures it'd be best for the two of them to go on the run. And for some reason, even though Andrea says she's engaged to Bruce, she decides to go with him because, hey, we have to have him become Batman. Yeah. Now that we've gotten all caught up with the past, Andrea turns to leave Bruce, and he stops her. And then we get to find out that, yes, Batman does have sex with women. Because the we have another a little musical sting, Alfred walking in with a tray of drinks, neatly turning around, and then we cut to the following morning, and Andrea wearing nothing but a dress shirt standing next to a... Uh, cliffside while waves crash against the rocks, looking straight out of a romance novel, and damn, I wish I was a cartoon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it looks like the two will be trying to give it another go, and maybe even be able to work Batman into it. Unfortunately, Bruce then makes a horrifying discovery whilst at that picture of the gangsters... Because remember that one gangster with the prominent nose I mentioned? 
Yes. Well, that was pre-acid bath Joker. So, yeah, we he's like, oh, crap. Yeah, it's a great reveal. Um, anytime they try to play with the backstory for the, the Joker, I tend not to like it, but it's vague enough in this where it works for the story that they're telling. Yeah, he could have easily still been Red Hood down the road and all yeah. that stuff. And you don't you don't get his name, you don't know where he's from or anything else about him other than the fact that at one time he was a hood. I, I didn't see it coming. I it was a good twist. Uh, Hitman for the mob. It works. And you know, he didn't decide to kill Thomas and Martha Wayne and make Batman. Why did they do that? Anyhow, Speaking I, I of our Mr. J, a little bit too. But... <laughs> Speaking of our Mr. J, we cut to Councilman Butt Monkey's office for the final time because Joker decides to pay him a visit, and because Joker thinks Councilman Butt Monkey is Phantasm. Why? Well, apparently, as we find out, Councilman Butt Monkey has a few skeletons in the closet. Pleading, Butt Monkey is able to convince Joker that he's not the Phantasm. How do we know that? Joker just injects him with laughing toxin and not straight up kills him. But it could also be that we need him for required exposition in the next scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that night at Gotham Hospital, as Councilman Butt Monkey pretty much laughs like a madman, Batman pays a little visit to the Councilman and finds out that Butt Monkey had turned the Beaumonts over to the mob when Carl refused to give him some campaign money. Batman isn't happy about this discovery and breaks into Andrea's apartment hoping that he's dead wrong about his girlfriend. Unfortunately, his hunch is correct as one of the airplanes we see from the World's Fair is about to make a special delivery, so pretty much instead of Amazon Prime, we get Joker Prime. (laughs) (laughs) As the little air drone is carrying a nice happy bomb. Well, Batman... Tosses a batarang at it and causing it to detonate early, but it's still powerful enough to send Batman reeling against the wall from the concussion and get pretty much uh, bruised up pretty good. But it proves that some days you can get rid of a bomb. Yes, you can. Yeah. And also, <laughs> he now knows the truth. Phantasm is Andrea. Dun dun dun. Oh. They they had me fooled for most of the the movie. I have to give them that. Uh, the toys spoiled it when they came out. Yeah. yeah, that was a big. That was a. Who who thought that was smart? Because it has been. If they'd kept the the hood on, and said you know with removable hood, that would have been something. But when you have it in the package with the mask on the side and Andrea's face right there, it's like. Really, marketing guys, really. Uh, so, let's talk Joker. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. Now, I love the new Lego Joker. Zach Galifianakis does a great job for playing the comedic role, and he does get a little sinister, but... Is that who's doing it? That's awesome. And, um, you know, Heath Ledger, I think, just... He, he didn't play the funny Joker, or he just played crazy chaos yeah jack nicholson was kind of a cross jack nicholson was jack nicholson yeah i 
nowadays I call him a cross, kind of a middle ground between Cesar Romero and Heath Ledger. I still loved it. I thought it did some great stuff Ooh. with it, but oh yeah, I, I don't get me wrong. I I enjoy all the Joker performances we've seen, um, and even in in animation, there's Karen Michael Richardson when they did the Jamaica Rasta Joker. Yeah, he made that guy scary. That one didn't play for me so much. Uh, um, was, where did I? What the J- Jamaica uh, Rasta Joker? <laughs> yeah, that was um. Which the the Batman, like that. Oh, okay. Another one I haven't got to yet. <laughs> uh, that one didn't work for me, but you know, give it a shot. You might like it. Yeah. Uh, Penguin is a ninja. Let, let's let, let's just say that. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Though uh, also, as long as he Penguin... shoots shirkins out of his umbrella, I'm okay. With <laughs> well, he has two Kabuki android ninja robots. Okay. Yeah. Like penguins. <laughs> Best thing I could say about that show is Robert Englund was the voice of the Riddler. Mm, that worked Ooh. for me. Yeah. Okay, but again, Mark Hamill is my defensive joker. There's a reason he's been doing it for 25-some years. Yeah. Um, I love Cesar Romero as the Joker. I think he's definitely the 50s and 60s version of the Joker come off the page. Uh, but overall, you can give um, Mark... Yeah, you can give Mark Hamill. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, he looked exactly like the Joker on the page. Um, but in terms of if Hamill can play any version of the Joker that you want him to, um, and he makes it work, he does. Thankfully, also do the silly Joker. I mean, the Joker is also supposed to be funny. You don't know whether he's going to try to make you laugh or kill you. That's the mm-hmm. whole point. And and he has such a range with the laughs. You know, there's yeah. the the funny laughs, and then there's the old, evil, you evil like the crazy laughs and the demon laughs, and oh, it's so it's cool just, that he got to take that to the, like the the really violent extremes in in the Batman games. He just really crushed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was such um, a great reveal. And when uh, Arkham Knight came out, because you know they. First off, you know, he'd gone on record saying Arkham City was going to be his last role ever as Joker. Nope. <laughs> yeah, when that scene popped up at the in that in that part of the game, I went, "Ooh, hello, Joker." Wasn't expecting you. Then I hear Mark Hamill and I go, S-, and then he says the line, "So, did you miss me, Bass?" I was like, "Yes, Mark Hamill. Yes, I missed you. I missed you very much." <laughs> yeah, and he also went and did the terrible version of the Killing Joke that they just did too. Uh, yeah. Now I haven't seen it, but from what I hear, the killing joke part is fine. Good. Everything yeah, leading up to it is the bizarre Batgirl crap. Is not that. is yeah. not not okay. Character consistent. <laughs> and if you now, I came up with how that could have actually instead of being when I was talking about Mad Love, instead of having the I, I get why they did the Batgirl story. They just did it poorly. Uh, I just uh, there's no version of that relationship where I buy that they'd be screwing on a rooftop. Sorry. No, no. Uh, I always thought of that as more of like a brotherly sisterly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From well, mentor and teacher, or you know, teacher student, which you know made it kind of particularly creepy. Yeah. Uh, 
quote-unquote inappropriate behavior by the bats there. <laughs> Even if the temptation was there, he should know better. <laughs> yeah. So, instead of doing that, as much as I enjoyed Mad Love getting, you know, a full episode treatment for, you know, the animated series, since they had pretty much the original cast, instead of doing... They could have done, you know, the 45-minute killing joke and then a 45-minute redoing of Mad Love. Yeah. You know, use the same character models, whatever. And that movie would have made, been, gang, you know, sold gangbusters. Yeah. But that was just my theory. I agree. Because, <laughs> I mean, if you, don't have a, if you only have so much material and you're trying to make a 90-minute movie... Make two forty-five minute movies like they did with that Hulk versus Thor and Hulk versus Wolverine, but it's really just a Wolverine movie with Hulk sort of in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Abe Vigoda never, ever insult Joker to his face. No. There's an easier way to commit suicide, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Although you don't usually die die with a smile like that, so. <laughs> but again, we we see him, what, what I love is Joker's like oh happy you know he you see him snap yeah but then he goes all calm and you know having a buddy time and then the close up on his face and oh it gets yeah the the fade to red behind him it's like oh oh boy something's gonna happen yeah so. I'm thinking that this movie, Chronology with the Animated Series, takes place before the Animated Series proper, which is uh, why Harley's not there. It would have to take place early, not early on into Batman's career as Batman, but definitely before they, you know, we start seeing the bulk of the series. Yeah, it would have to fit in somewhere there. Year three-ish, maybe, you know. Because I'm a nerd and I care about continuity. <laughs> it's easier to follow um, in the animated stuff than it is in the comics most yeah. of the times. So. Oh, and Councilman Butt Monkey. You know, I mean, I'm going to talk to you for just a sec, Councilman Butt Monkey. I know when a woman's not interested. And I have a mental handicap that makes reading body language next to impossible. <laughs> and the only way that I know you're getting in her bed is if you're the last man on Earth, and I'm pretty sure she'd rather let the human race go extinct. Yeah. <laughs> the, the male ego knows no uh, bounds of self-delusion sometimes. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> and then we get, you know, the angry revenge kiss. <laughs> Which, you know Batman's just like, where's the trigger? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> And then Andrea gets a great little one-liner with the, you know, the only one around here is still being uh, driven by your parents is you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) but that's not entirely true because she totally is. Oh, yeah. She just won't admit it. No. She's going around being murdery because of her dad. Yeah. (laughs) That's a little more extreme than Batman's issues. And uh, this is the first time in the animated series that we do see someone killed by Smilex gas. Um, in the animated series, Joker wasn't allowed to kill anybody. Really? No. Yeah. Um, if he that's had why gas, I gave it a it pass. Always... It just didn't. You have to have the the very dangerous Batman villains for 
You have to have the contrast. You have to have someone that's so horrible that he should be killing them, you know, but doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, none of the villains were allowed to kill. Yeah. The closest was um, Mr. Freeze freezing people, but they'd have to, but they'd be thawed. Thawed. No, no damage and, at all. Um, tissue. Yeah. If Joker had laughing gas, if Joker used gas and was always laughing gas, it wouldn't cause any permanent damage. Um, Joy Buzzers just zapped people. I mean, all the villains, because of standards and practices, got nerfed pretty badly. Yeah, but they still were able to tell the stories that they wanted to tell with them, which, oh, yeah. is, which is good. Yep. Also, I want to thank Back to the Bins for their coverage on the um, 100 Greatest Comic Book Movies. I did not know that the Penguin design was based off the Danny DeVito, but now that I know that, I can't unsee it. Yeah, it's not my favorite design choice from the show. Because I was, always, I was like, why is Penguin always running around with the rubber ducky? That's just, that's not who this, who they're bringing Penguin across as. Yes. But that's a tangent for another time. Yeah. And just like the Batmobile, the animated series Batwing is my favorite of the Bat planes. Yeah, it's pretty sleek. Um, he goes through a few of those through the series, um, but it, it's always the same design. And I look, but again, Phantasm is outrunning it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm look excited. at the plot. <laughs> yeah and apparently all the GCPD is now under you know Lieutenant Eckhart's what? shoot to kill <laughs> apparently, apparently... <laughs> hmm? shoot to kill know what I mean really no could you repeat <laughs> that I, I don't think it's obvious what what you mean what do you mean Lieutenant Eckhart <laughs> you know personally I I've always sw- swear have sworn that that line was supposed to be you know shoot to wound or yeah. you know something else, and Porkins just flubbed it. <laughs> you ain't got no future, Jack. And you don't have a career, Porkins. <laughs> he had a career. He's all right, you know. Yeah, he was Lex Luthor. I can't I can't fault him for that. Oh, that's right. You have to mm-hmm. storm the trenches over a Yavin Four, man. Have some respect. Yeah, not very long. But no, she actually he, he crashed into one of the trenches, <laughs> or yeah. even four more accurately. But, uh. Uh, and during that whole fight scene, after the explosion, we again we've seen Batman really getting torn up in this. His costumes beaten. He's bleeding all over the place. Yeah, he, he he's. He looks like somebody who just went through an explosion should look. Yeah. Who's Batman? <laughs> uh, unlike Joker and uh, Andrea, who apparently got away without a scratch. But <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into that. <clears throat> now, he- here's a question. We see Batman fire his grapple. It attaches to the um, helicopter. And, like... A half second later, it's his cow's flying and it's attached to a sawhorse, you know, as a distraction. Because he's Batman. <laughs> Works for me. Ninja. Yeah. That's all you have to say. Yep. The plot um, needed it, and he's Batman. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's uh that scene's a pretty good um, PG interpretation of the the year one scene where he's being chased. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's uh, all uh, if they had let it extend a little bit more, they probably would have done you know him being straight up predator with the the GCPD guys. Oh, that'd have been yeah, awesome. It would have been yeah. And um, no disrespect know. to our fine law officers around the country, but it was always great watching uh, Batman versus get the cops. Over on awesome. cops. Yeah. Oh yeah, and also, and here's another thing, people who write Batman movies, Batman didn't cause massive amounts of civilian collateral damage. It was all the cops who did it. Yep. Or the villains. (laughs) Not touching that one. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'll give you another three hours. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, uh, Chris, you said it reminded you of the year one for me, it reminded me of the episode of the animated series where Batgirl ha- is dosed with um, Scarecrow fear yeah. gas. which actually came after the movie several years. I know. So I think they were just calling back to this scene, but I was like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a straight-up Frank Miller pull, um, mm. really. Because it's, I mean, you really don't see in the Golden or Silver Age Batman versus the police. You know, he's yeah. the policeman's friend. When yeah. Miller got involved, that's when it was, yeah, that probably would be early on in his career, the police being like, he's a vigilante, we got to shoot him. And, it, and it's a trope that he went back, you know, Dark Knight Returns came first with his comic book work on Batman. And they have uh, Commissioner uh, Yellen, uh, Ellen, Ellen Yandel, you know, do they have him escaping the cops in that. And then he did it again in uh, year one. Him escaping the cops, so yeah, which makes more sense in the universe to me. I always kind of like that, that twist on things because it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, the the only cops that should really be trusting him should be Gordon and maybe a few other people that he's gotten to know. You know, uh, Montoya, yeah. Bullock. You know, like that's it. Everybody else should be skeptical, especially city councilmen. You know, they <laughs> you really can't condone a, a vigilante running around. No, no. I think Arrow plays that really well too on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's def. You can definitely see. There's legitimate claim to Arrow being Batman. <laughs> yeah. 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 Arrow is the best Batman TV show we've gotten in a long time. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Considering. <laughs> yeah. Any okay. Um. And then we talked about Andrea and the love scene, and yeah, I'm pretty sure this is where Damien came from if he had a existed at that time <laughs> if he had been written that or in the 90s yeah that's where he came from damien's a retcon retcon <laughs> yeah so the batman again, does not exist in my dojo i i don't <laughs> <laughs> see if i ever write batman he's gonna be impotent <laughs> well he would explain you know he's overcompensating when he goes he's a, he'll, he'll be able to stick it wherever he wants with impunity <laughs> So he's a witcher. Yes, I guess. <laughs> sure. Okay, you've, yeah, you've never played those games, then. No, I have not. <clears throat> or or Shepard, Mass Effect. Uh, there we go. That works. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Fem Shep is Batgirl. <laughs> Why do I suddenly need a commission of that? Anyhow, <clears throat> so again, Alfred, you really need to stop getting drinks for Bruce. You, you tend to walk. <laughs> Apparently, every time Bruce gets lucky is when you go make drinks, so you probably should stop that. Would you like me to unwrap your condom for you, sir? 
Sorry, I'm just picturing this Alfred in Arthur. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and uh, escorting you know, out one hooker to bring the next one in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope I don't have to put an E rating on this. I'm not sure, <laughs> but um. I don't this, remember signing anything before we start. <laughs> so later on, when, after Andrea leaves and Bruce and Alfred are, you know, talking about the, their future, and Alfred just says, you know, all Bruce's parents would have wanted was for him to be happy. He, Alfred is 100% right. Um, I'm pretty sure Thomas would have said, Bruce, we got to take you in for psychological counseling now. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it, 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 you, you really do get the the Alfred being... Easy for him to say, though. Daddy didn't stick around very long. Oh, wait. Right. <laughs> um, Alfred, they, they did do a good job on the Alfred being the surrogate father. I, I really... I've And just Ephraim Zimbalist, whenever I read... Again, this is how the animated series influenced me. Anytime I read a Batman comic, I have to say, "Okay, does do I hear Kevin Conroy in my voice?" Okay, if not, you didn't write Batman. Yeah. <laughs> but the scene with uh, Councilman Butt Monkey and getting just what he deserved, I liked it. And but I also have to give props to the voice actor because being absolutely terrified while laughing had to be a very difficult job yeah so uh, i gotta give him i gotta give uh the voice actor uh props for that do i like the character no but you're not supposed to right but the actor really did a good job with that scene yeah yeah it's uh i, I do i can't imagine how many takes they had to do for that uh, and the animation sells it too. Like he's laughing and crying at the same time. And if you've had a good belly laugh for like a minute, you know how painful it is after that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, for me, it's usually I end up in an asthmatic coughing fit. So yeah, I know exactly where you're coming <laughs> from. Well, the Joker would have an easy time with you, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. This wouldn't even have to waste much gas on you. Just... <laughs> <laughs> And then one more time, and we see, you know, Bruce get, getting his heart broken once again because, hey, let's just not CW enough. we got to throw that in. <clears throat> so, you know, I'm thinking maybe Batman should just settle down, get a cat, or at least a girlfriend who likes to dress as a cat. <laughs> yeah. All right, and fi- so any final thoughts on, on this little little section? Nope. Okay. Let's head into the climax, or as I like to call it, some men just want to watch the World's Fair burn. (laughs) (laughs) Phantasm, a.k.a. Andrea, a.k.a. the bad girl, the femme fatale, the whole reason I fell in love with Dana Delaney before I found out she did an SNL-type movie... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exit to Eden, what? Yes, it was. <laughs> Thank you, public cable. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Anyhow, so yeah, we also had to see Rosie O'Donnell and like skimpy wearing that, so it kind of even things out a little. <laughs> no, see, thanks to the thanks to public cable rules, all her scenes were cut. <laughs> <laughs> they were okay. deemed inappropriate for all viewers. Nice. <laughs> Anyhow, back to the synopsis. So Phantasm is arriving at Joker's hideout, and the two have a little spat, aka. She yells at him, he yells at her, she fights, he squirts her with acid, we find out she's woefully unprepared for this fight, some more punchy kicking, groin smashing happens, and then Andrea gets hit in the face with a big wad of meat. Hey, right your own I'm talking Joe. about Bruce. No. <laughs> I, and no it's not what you're thinking. Joker was making sandwiches and it was a big log of bologna. Oh, God. I, how do I say this? <laughs> really no good way to no, say that. No good way to say this. So, anyhow... Futile to Joker, resist. <laughs> <laughs> needless to say, Andrea finds out Joker isn't your regular mobster and uh, put, puts up a decent fight. Joker gets away from her and manages to hide for a bit and turn on an honest-to-goodness death trap. Yes, we have a death trap in this movie. Yeah. A massive turbine. Well, before it gives Andrea the haircut of the century and turns her into little pieces of phantasm goo, Batman arrives and crashes a motorcycle into into the turbine, destroying it. And also, I have to say, I love and have always loved the motorcycles designs in the animated series. They just are yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're beefy. Well... Pretty much begging Andrea to leave. And again, Batman says something I never thought I'd ever hear him say. Please. Andrea leaves, and Batman chases after the Joker. Well, in a lot of great visual, visually stunning and epic fighting, which doesn't really apply well in an audio medium, yeah. we <laughs> see Batman and Joker fight throughout the fair, and in one scene, even becoming kaiju monsters, thus making sure that the Jack and Nettys are happy, because they <laughs> yeah. they fight in a miniature version of Gotham and yeah. use the buildings to beat each other to a pulp with them. Yeah, yeah. During... This 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 scene has one of my my favorite Batman bits of all time when he kicks one of the Joker's teeth out. Yeah, <laughs> I've never forgotten that from the first time that I watched it. Oh, yeah. And you see the tooth go flying, too. Yep. And the the best part is, for, with the exception of one animation error, that tooth is missing for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Uh, that was important, man. Let's, let's talk about the Joker for a second. Let me finish the synopsis real quick. All right. We're almost All right. done. I'll forget it by the time we get oh, there. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. This morning, man. Not already gone. Go ahead. Go <laughs> ahead. My brain works that way. <laughs> no, seriously, go ahead. I'll remember it. I'm just f***ing with you. Oh, oops, see, I said it. <laughs> Only one. Only one. Quarter in the tip jar. Sorry, Pops. Yep. <laughs> so. Needless to say that during this fight, Joker has also set a self-destruct, and in five minutes, which I tried to time, and I think it actually may have been a legitimate five minutes... Uh, sets the entire place to explode. 
Well, Batman tries. Uh, Joker tries to escape via jetpack. Batman doing his usual, whatever it takes, I'm going to stop you, Joker. Bit jumps onto Joker's jetpack, and the two fly uncontrolled throughout the f- complex, eventually crashing through the World's Fair globe. But since we still have to have a few more minutes of this movie, Andrea reappears, says her final goodbye to Bruce, picks up the Joker, and the fair begins to erupt in flame and explosions around them. Now, this could have been the end of our beloved Mr. J, but since, hey, we need an entire series and Mark Hamill has to have a career after Star Wars, (laughs) there's a quick blast of phantasm smoke and the two vanish, never to be seen again, until the next episode. And more, which I'll get into. I'm sure you looked at it, uh, Aaron, with oh, the Phantasm. I will be talking about that. <laughs> okay. Batman tries chasing her, but is caught by a blast, ends up in a sewer, and is pulled out by the current into Gotham Harbor. All he can do is helplessly stand there and watch the fair burn. Returning to the Batcave, Alfred tries to, com- to comfort Bruce and shows us, again, just how truly an important character he is, and when he decides to just go all cry and weepy for two-thirds of the movie, is really sorely a bad writing choice. (laughs) I couldn't save her, Alfred. I didn't think she wanted to be saved, sir. Vengeance blackens the soul, Bruce. I always feared you would become that which you fought against. You walk the edge of that abyss every night. But you haven't fallen in, and I thank heaven for that. But Andrea fell into that pit years ago. And no one, not even you, could have pulled her back. So, he reminds us that, yeah, hey, Batman may have lost his actual dad, but he got his stepdad. Well, yeah. Clint catches Bruce's eyes, and we find out that it's been the locket Andrea wore that has a picture of the two of them. Bruce knows that this was Andrea saying goodbye. Our story ends somewhere on the Atlantic Ocean, because that was my best guess. And I think that's what the graphic novel said as well. Okay. (laughs) A young woman is approached by a partygoer but when asked if she wants to be alone, she only replies, I am. Finally, we're back in Gotham with the music swelling, the back signal lights, Gotham calling for her champion, and the Batman swings into action. Yeah. We get a very, very strange ending song for the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a big was that finale so don't worry i have a bit for that so friends here's the end credits song there was never any question many lovers indiscretion all right enough of that let's put the real finale song in this is how you end a batman movie
da, da, da. Yeah, that is how you end a Batman movie. Now, <laughs> to be fair, that was done by Tia Carreri, the, you know. Oh my god. Yeah, I was surprised when well, I found that fully out. for her. That's... <laughs> but it should, not have, it should not have been in a Batman movie. No, it got no. It, it got switched around with like the the ending theme to Wayne's World or something accidentally, because <laughs> uh, it did not belong at the end of this film. No, now I want someone to recut the two of Bruce and Andrea frolicking to Dreamweaver. <laughs> yes, why not? <laughs> See Wayne's World for more details or True Lies. She was really hot in True Lies. That's true yes. too. Yeah. She was. My crush um, came with uh, Lilo and Stitch. Okay. okay, I'm going back to the Joker before I forget. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is there anywhere in comics that you guys know of that that ever like said that he had like special forces training or anything? Because the Joker has always kind of been not the most physical guy. You wouldn't think, and he would well, think he would be... in this version of it, if he was a leg breaker for the mob, yeah, true. he'd have to ha- be able to you know at least hold his own somewhat. Yeah. And... I... Oh, go ahead, Aaron. And we do see him in the animated series hold his own against Batman. Um, well, it's about my contention is that he should have never been able to ever hold his own against Batman. Uh, I kind of always thought that about the Joker. That's why he has you know fleets of henchmen mm-hmm. usually. Yeah. You know, because you'd think Bruce would just break him anytime he even gets near him, which he could do. But I think Bruce at some right. points is also holding back too because he knows if. The Joker is probably the one guy that could push him over the edge. Yeah, uh, I mean a lot of what run, you know. Yeah, a lot of what the Joker does too is you know a lot of talking, a lot of misdirection, a lot of gags. You know, I bet he would have died with a door stomp. I'm pretty certain. <laughs> no, but, but actually, talking about uh, Batman '89 almost gives a, it's almost a throwaway line, but it almost gives kind of an explanation for it, and that like all the the nerve centers in his face have been severed. You know, so he probably can't feel things as well in his face. So he he would more logically be able to take a bad beating that way. Mm-hmm. And if you're and if you're just that insane anyway, is getting punched in the face really going to bother you? you yeah, know? yeah. You know, that, I thought Ledger did that very well. You know, just just starts mm-hmm. laughing like there's nothing you can do to me. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't start with the face. Then the subject gets all woozy and can't feel the next one. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, when Batman is getting interrogation tips from Joker, there's a problem with your writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When um, Batman finally confronts Andrea and he, he says, you know, what does vengeance solve? And she just goes, if anyone knows that, it's you. It's like, hello, pot, meat kettle. Yeah, you kind of throwing glass stones or yeah. glass houses there a bit. But. Well, I think if, if if Bruce was into vengeance, then he would be killing everybody. Or he would have only killed the guy that killed his parents. It's not I'm about justice, not vengeance. Yeah, it's not about vengeance with him. It's about, well, I guess it's to some degree it is, but it's not a steely, murdery vengeance. And it's his mean, dead parents that are making him do it. So, yeah. not really his fault. <laughs> they won't release him from the curse now, of the bat when uh, Batman's in the um, mini, mini Gotham and he's getting attacked by all those little flying drones which I think may actually happen if Amazon Prime service ever goes sentient 
Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that the Wilson from IBM is going to become Skynet, because... <laughs> Have you seen those oh, commercials? Geez. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not going to end well. Because now they're really letting isn't. him connect to the internet. <laughs> yeah. Have you not seen Terminator? Have <laughs> you not seen any science fiction movie in the last 40 years? <laughs> right. No, they... they... It was supposed to be a cautionary tale. They were using it as a handbook. Yeah. When, um, when those drones just tear into Batman's arm, you feel the you feel it. It's it's just they Batman yeah. gets torn up in this movie. We've said I've no I've cut off as a broken record, but they were able to really push the boundaries of what they could do because of it's a theatrical release and the whole sensors were different. And the TV sensors. Yeah. And. Yeah. Th- thankfully, yeah. I mean, it's it's really it it's quite jarring when you watch it the first time because you're not really expecting it. Uh, but it definitely works. I mean, that's the thing. If you've got Super Ultimo Batman, then there's really no drama. You know, if it's a Batman that <laughs> can get knocked down. It can get hurt. It's mm-hmm. far more yeah. interesting. It, it brings it makes it more every man. Even though there's no possible way we could do it, we can sympathize a little bit more to the character. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody agreed with me, or <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Ah, uh, yeah, Ma- Maureen's watching. Audience. <laughs> Maureen's watching. Brosberg is in the background. <laughs> oh, no worries. No worries. Oh, sorry. <laughs> No worries. Come the studio, honey. Supposed to lie and tell her she's entertained by us, hero. It's all good. And you know, I don't really have a lot of notes for this final scene because there's not much. Yeah, it's the action. It's the action scene. Um, But even then, it's not really the biggest action scene because, again, the heart of this story isn't Batman punching Joker; it's the Batman Andrea relationship. Joker's just there to yeah. be a punching it's, bag. It, I, I hate. Essentially, yeah, he's he's almost an afterthought. If they they could have had that character be anybody at the end, it could have been the last member of the gang. It didn't have yeah. to be the Joker. Yeah. It just so happened that they Why found not? an interesting mm-hmm. way to work it in. Or you got Mark Hamill on the payroll, then mm-hmm. you go for it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's, no, go, go ahead, Chris. Uh, no, no, you uh, give me final thoughts, man. I, I, okay. I, I didn't know where I was going. And then, again, Alfred with Bruce, just classic. I, I, I can't say enough about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a great version of Alfred. He's not going to put up with Bruce's crap, but he's also going to be the the guy that Bruce needs to have there, especially since there's apparently no Robin mm-hmm. around right now. Right. And I did yeah. like how they even made Robin, you know, He's a college age. He's he's in high school. He's out of high school. He's in college. So that's not even Tim yeah. Drake. That was older than Tim. <laughs> yeah. I hope it's a good episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, the final note I have for the whole movie is that during the credits, there was one little thing that stood out to me. In the, that was in the music and not the horrible song. Which I'm pretty sure was executive interference. That's my theory. Because 
Um, something was going on there. They forgot. Like, oh, crap, we're five minutes short on the. the oh wait, we, we had it. We Warner Warner Music Group had to contractually obligated to release something from Tia Correa. You it never must know. be because yeah, yeah it, it, it didn't, did much the, the more than that. The song didn't fit the tone of the movie at all. Heck, at least the Prince songs sort of tied into. Well, I guess you know they were going for the over. The you know, love story thing, but it just you know it's uh, the wrong it's the wrong note to go out on. Yeah, maybe they didn't check and see that the love story didn't exactly end well. So oh, the, um, <laughs> and you know when you have that great opening theme, and Shirley Walker did that, you know, just for a minute, she could have come up with something for just as good for the finale. Oh yeah, oh but, yeah, uh, absolutely. My, my original thing is while well, during the music. They had Synthesis Hans Zimmer. Now I got to thinking, couldn't be what? that Hans Zimmer, could it? It had to have been. He would have been real young. I did, I did yeah. zero research, oh, so welcome. I have no idea. But I'm like, there's only a few Hans Zimmers I know, <laughs> and the only one I know involved in music. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be him. What a memento. Yeah, he. Yeah. Oh, you looking it up, Scott? Yeah. All right, all right. Casting career here real quick. All right. Now, sadly, like we mentioned, this movie has not gotten the love it's deserved in the... Outside of this community, yeah. Right, yeah. But who's going to watch it outside of our community? Exactly. It wouldn't have been as good a movie if it was, you know, trying to, to reel in that that bigger audience you know it's it's pretty hardcore batman you know it's um i yeah. guess the love story could have drawn some people in if they I, I imagine it came down to like just kind of promotion and and advertising more than anything else why it didn't burn up the the box office because as we all know you know he's their dc's go-to guy so yeah never seems to have a problem and burning up the box office since, you know this was post yeah, Post Batman so Batman Theater was still ranching up. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's one of those things that animated movies at the time were not this. They were, you know, G-rated musicals of the Disney oh, variety. I can see why it kind of got so lost it's... in the shuffle. I, I just pulled up uh, December movies. Yeah. December 93. Here's what came out in December 1993. Schindler's List. What's eating oh, well, Gilbert Grape? Go. The Pelican Brief. Yeah. Mm. The day Phantasm ah, yes. came out. Julia. Tombstone in Philadelphia. That's why well, they got lost. Yeah. <laughs> counter programming will. Yeah, counter programming will only take you so far. Uh, by the way, guys, that awesome. was the Hans Zimmer. So, okay. Yeah, must have been his, his some early stuff from him. Yeah. He was born in 1957, so he wasn't that young. But no, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, let me see how far down on the list that is for him. Passed away recently in a plane crash or something. Zimmer? Oh. No, oh, I don't thanks. believe so. Um, where is it now? Um, wow, yeah, it was pretty early. He started his career in 1982. Okay. Um, on moonlighting. No oh less. God. A uh, bunch of TV stuff he's done, and that was uh, 
Yeah, well, he's been a busy boy all his all his career, but yeah, that was that was up there. Yeah. So, I guess we should, uh, and I know you mentioned it, Aaron. We should probably talk about not the elephant in the room, but the Easter it. egg in the room with the Phantasm. Uh, so, I'm a huge fan of the 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 Timverse, um, and after you. If you watch them essentially chronologically, uh, Batman the Animated Series, then Batman and Superman during the um, the redesign of the Batman era, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. Now, Batman Beyond came before they got to Justice League, um, and it's elderly Bruce Wayne training a new Batman. And uh, it's the perfect synthesis of Batman and Spider-Man mm-hmm. in the future. It's yeah. a it's a drastically underrated show. It's excellent, but it ties into all of the continuity that they previously established, and then we go on to create more continuity with on the Justice League show. When Justice League the the first two seasons, when it was the the main seven, when that looked like it was getting done, when it was going to wind down, um, they tied in Terry McGinnis, the future Batman, uh... into. That continuity. A- actually, Chris, I yeah. think that was they—they they were in unlimited by then. It was uh, supposed to be season four. Was it? Okay, all right. So it was during the all right. So when they knew that the, the jig was up, where they weren't going to get any more episodes, essentially, uh, they did a flash forward partially to uh, elderly Bruce Wayne and Terry McGinnis. Uh, long and short of it, you find out that essentially Terry is a clone of Bruce Wayne. Um, and they don't make it cheesy or hokey at all. And it's because Amanda Waller knew that in the future they'd need someone like Batman who would come from the same circumstances, who would have the same drive um, and the same abilities. And because she is familiar with the fact that Bruce is Batman, um, she figured that, the clone of Batman would need to have a traumatic event inspire him. And in the last episode of the season, you see that Amanda Waller has hired Mm -hmm. the Phantasm to kill Terry's parents coming outside of the movie theater. And Andrea doesn't do it. And and when Um, you see her, just for a split second, out of costume, you know, she's aged, so that was a nice little touch, too. Yeah. It's it's a really really nice callback to the continuity that they put together from the start on the show, um, and the movie that they're walking out of in the future is mm-hmm. a, a gray ghost movie, uh, which is excellent too. I mean, a- everything that these guys have done with these properties for the continuity that they've created is just it's one of my favorite things that's ever been created. Um, uh, Any time I can sit down and I can plunk in one of the DVDs. I was, I mean, I was buying them day and date when they were coming out. I was buying the Batman animated series ones when they weren't even doing the full seasons. They were just doing like six episode releases. Um, ever since that, you know, the last twenty five years now since they started this continuity, it's it's been one of my favorite things. And the Mask of the Phantasm is an integral part of it. It's it's one of the best Batman origin stories. It's one of the best Batman and other media mm-hmm. portrayals I've ever seen. Um, and it's, it would be literally perfect if not for that last oh. song. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really if they had, if they adapted it into live action, it would be fantastic. They'd have to change a couple of things, obviously, but 
they definitely could, you know, extend it out another 20 or 30 minutes live action. They probably put a little bit more action into it and a little bit more flashbacks. Uh, but it really is one of the, the best portrayals of, of Batman that you're ever going to see uh, outside of the comic books. And it is, like we've all mentioned, a shame that it did not get the recognition that it deserved at the time. Uh, but I think those of us in the know are certainly uh, right on board the Phantasm train. Um, Since they seem to be so discombobulated about the newest Batman movie, maybe they could do this then, have like Deathstroke be the peripheral vision uh, villain that the Joker is, you know. Yeah, but I think yeah. they're not going to go there. No, because that would be a smart move. <laughs> no, no, because the the DC cinematic architects at this time do not have the wherewithal to say, "Hmm, what's all this critically acclaimed stuff that was on TV for?" I yeah. mean, Batman the Animated Series started in '92, and then Justice League Unlimited ended in what 2000? Is it 2003? They'll probably go to the you know a couple of the different comic book. Stories they'll probably try to mold like you know the long Halloween there or whatever that one is the, the long night or something. Uh. And so I thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate it. Before we head out and close up, why don't you once again tell everybody where they can find you? All right. Uh, well, I do weekly heroics with Scott uh, every week on the Two True Freaks Network, where we cover superhero TV. I also am on the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror on the Two True Freaks Network and uh, Cast Protection, which is a Stranger Things podcast that I do with uh, Dave Atterbury and Jonathan Kreitz. And uh, I'm always popping up all over the Facebook page and uh, randomly on other people's shows. We appreciate that. <laughs> and dirty yes. photos on Instagram, kids. Oh, maybe. <laughs> so I hear. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I do that thing with the hero over there, the weekly heroics, and Fear the Walking Dead cast, and occasionally uh, No Counsels for Old Men, although I'm slacking, and um, Mindless Drivel, which may or may not be evolving into something different. Could you say it's soon. tangenting into something? And. <laughs> It could be. No, maybe. not affiliated to me whatsoever. I'm not sure, but yeah, you know, we do all kinds of stuff over there and the occasional like, you know, round table for these wacky movies oh. we like and stuff. Thanks again, so. guys. I appreciate you taking time. We managed to turn Oh yeah. It Thanks was for having one. We managed to turn an hour and you know, fifteen minute movie into a three hour discussion and there was a lot more we could talk about. <laughs> Yeah, it's how we roll here in the podcasting world. And, yes, uh, <laughs> it's you, about standard. Well, we do like an you know hour and a half for for forty five minute shows over on weekly heroics all the time. So no yeah, we just, we just can't seem to shut up. <laughs> well, thanks for no. coming on, guys. And like I said, if you ever want to talk Return of the Joker, the second greatest Batman animated film ever made, let me know. <laughs> Possibly, I'll take. Do some catching up on oh, my yeah, Batman yeah, Beyond first. That, that's oh, definitely the be epilogue that. to this. Watch to this that series. one piecemeal too. But <clears throat> so I'll see you guys uh, later. Have a good night. Take care. All right, thanks, you too, man. Thank you. And thanks again, Scott and Chris, for joining me on the show. It really meant a lot. I appreciate all the help and. Friends, I hope you enjoyed listening to what is, without a doubt, the longest episode of the show by far. If you enjoyed the show or have some thoughts 
about Mask of the Phantasm and what you enjoyed about it, drop me a line at tangentsabound at gmail.com. That was a fun time, and I can't wait to share some more tangenty goodness with all of my friends and all my new friends. So, have a great morning, my friends. And in case I don't see you, have a good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That was a journey and a half, wasn't it, Harley? (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm I'm glad it's it's over. It's finally done. (sighs) What? (coughs) Harley, the the house is filling with smoke. (coughs) Are you cooking again? smoker your angel of death awaits <laughs> oh f- yeah funny scott I'm, I'm not falling for that a second time yet you've really got the cosplay down quite a bit and that blade actually looks really sharp oh boy you're not scott are you no but hey, 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 I gave you a glowing review on your movie. Did you not listen to the whole episode? You revealed the mystery of who I am. And you didn't even bother including a clip of Shag saying she's hot. Well, to be fair, I didn't do anything Warner Brothers Marketing hadn't already done. And your movie's been out for over 20 years. I don't care. I've taken care of them as well. Now it's time for you to pay. Oh boy. I'm in trouble, aren't I? Yup. Meow! How is our plucky podcaster going to get out of this one? Tune in next time, friends. Same bad time, same bad channel. Meow! Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at TwoTrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Thanks for listening. 
As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. Two, two, three.